0: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24 7 non stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2 2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Hits one out. He oh, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. What's happening, everybody?
1: Yeah, it is A's Cast Live. Great show for you today. National baseball writer. From Bleach Report, Scott Miller is going to be here at 130. Former big league pitcher, now broadcaster for the Texas Rangers, and also a host on Sirius XM, friend of the program, CJ Nikowski is going to be here at 2 o'clock. There are so many rumors going on right now. One rumor I don't like. I actually fear this. Josh Donaldson rumored potentially. Texas Rangers do not like do not want I do not I do not want Josh Donaldson in this division let him sign with the Dodgers let him sign with the Braves keep our old friend in the National League the voice of summer Ken Korak will be here at 2 30 and then one of the top guys in our business from ESPN, the great Tim Kirkchin will be here at 3 o'clock. So Miller at 1.30, Nikowski at 2, Korak at 2.30, and Kirkchin at 3 o'clock. And who knows who else can stop by? Anybody can stop by. Where are we going to start today? We're going to start with just a flat-out controversy. And there's, it's the number one story that it's going to keep growing. And it's kind of scary. And I understand it makes some people uncomfortable, us talking about it, because we are the A's station. And, you know, we're not this independent station. You know, we're a streaming station. It's A's cast, powered by TuneIn but we are one of 30 teams in Major League Baseball. So when you talk about other teams in a bad light, it can kind of make people uncomfortable. But this is the story. And we go where the stories are. And Major League Baseball has to really, and we'll, we'll get into this with Tim Kirchin. I can tell you, we taped the interview earlier today. He's a little bit worried as are other people in the game. What, as Vince Lombardi once said, what the hell is going on around here? We have never, ever, ever, ever seen a team have two different independent investigations fall in their lap in less than a month. Like, if you're following this Astros thing, this thing's a disaster they lost the world series they've had all they, they had to fire their assistant general manager brandon tobman they are a pr nightmare so all that goes down and then the bombshell of the cheating of the known cheating coming out of their organization our own mike fires backed it all up and it's from 2017, and then the Astros tried to, you know. And it's such a, you know, they everybody's saying this now. It's so Astros that they, oh hey, this was only during the regular season. Well, now they got photographs of the guy in the television where they were cheating, and they got photographs of this guy at that television during the we're in the World Series. Like, they can't help but keep screwing this thing up. Now there is evidence of an email that went out to their scouts that they wanted their scouts to illegally videotape the dugouts in Major League Baseball, uh, the games the scouts were at. And the scouts have come out to say, and this is all, once again, The work being done by The Athletic, and yesterday, talking to two Athletic employees, one being the great Vic Tafer, who covers the Raiders for The Athletic. By the way, Raider Nation strong once again yesterday. And by the way, if the Kansas City Chiefs lose tonight to your Los Angeles Chargers, the Raiders will be in first place. Who would have thought that? It's insane. Come on, Bolts. But I was talking to Vic Tafer about this yesterday in the press box at the Raiders game, and he was like, man, our guys are killing it. Yeah, Ken Rosenthal, Ken Rosenthal and really Evan Drellich. This is incredible investigation, journalism, reporting like these guys should get an award. I mean, this is true journalism. They've got scouts employed by the Astros talking about how uncomfortable They were by this email. It would be like you and your job. I don't know where you're listening to us right now. You can always text us at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. Tell us where you're listening, where you're working today. That's 510-897-1322. But it's like your boss instructing you as a professional to do something illegal that you know is illegal and you know that could affect you long term in your career these these scouts are not on lifetime contracts with the astros they know that they a lot of these guys they switch organizations that's what people do in this business you know, you can work for the Blue Jays for three years, and you're working for the Marlins, and you're working for the Royals, and you're working for the Dodgers, and you work for the Angels, and you work for the Giants. And you work I mean, these guys hop all around. It's their reputation. And if you read this article in The Athletic, every one of these scouts was like, I'm not doing this. The Astros asked their scouts to do something that's illegal. Like, what do you do now with all this information that's out? And the biggest question that is out there, and it's something that a lot of people are starting to look at New York and they're starting to say, hey, uh, Manfred, you in control of this game? Buster only came out with an article yesterday, friend of the program, Commissioner Rob Manfred face faces test over cracking down on cheating MLB teams. And the article goes on to say, like, people respect this guy. People respecting the commissioner? Are they respecting his authority? Hey, I mean, we talked about this last we talked about this last week. Kristen Yelich going full blast on you Darvish. On, on on Twitter, all this stuff is starting to be out there. You're talking multiple organizations here. You've got the manager of the Boston Red Sox. It's being reported, cheater. You have the new manager of the New York Mets, cheater. You got guys that have left organizations the Houston Astros, to now take over other organizations. So the GM, the guy running the, the the Brewers, is from the Astros. They're being accused of cheating big time. Some people believe the guys talking, these sources, may be the guys that left Houston and now are running the Orioles. So that's Houston, Boston, New York, Milwaukee, and now Baltimore? That's five of your 30 teams that are now supposedly involved in this web somehow. That starts becoming a certain percentage of your entire league. So who else? What the hell do we got going on here? Because remember, you have to keep your game above. You, 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 your audience has to believe your game is above board. That's what we've always talked about, like with the gambling stuff. You know the the reason why you can't be having this kind of stuff is people start thinking you're professional wrestling and that it's rigged. You know we know Hulk Hogan's going to win. We know in the end, Hulk Hogan's going to drop the big leg. One, two, three, it's over. Hulkamania's the winner. Because it's rigged. It's wrestling. We can't have that in Major League Baseball. We can't have that in the NFL. We can't have that in the NBA. We can't have that in hockey. Can't have it in golf, tennis, NASCAR, open wheel. You name the sport. The people who are paying the money to show up have to believe above board and that this is really a competition among human beings that interests me. In the back of my mind, I can't be saying, hey, there's whistling going on. Are these guys cheating? Hey, there's banging of trash cans. Are these guys stealing? I mean, is this, what am I watching here? There's rules, there's laws that have to be a buy-to-buy, or there's not belief in your your sport. So what's the commissioner going to do? I'll tell you right now, draft picks, international money, fines, that's not enough. That honestly is not enough. And I guarantee you, everybody that I bring on today, is going to agree with me there needs to be there needs to be some punishment that lets everybody know in the sport if you do this you're going to be in big time trouble that that's just it's fact the people running our games are a little reckless right now. And what's happened is, you know, the old guard of the old baseball people are being shoved out, and it's all these new people who think they're smarter than everybody else. And they may be. They're really book smart. And they've got impressive resumes, and they've imp- they on their walls, it's impressive what they got, and their diplomas from Ivy League schools. and But they got to understand there's right and wrong and ways to run business, ways to treat people. I mean, you have the, you have the Houston Astros being run by a very bright man in Jeffrey Luno. But if you believe what everything that's being reported is that they treat their employees awful. They don't treat them the way professionals should be treated. And this is not a one-off deal. This is multiple people that have come out and talked about this. And they call it a toxic situation. And Brandon Tobman proved it to us. So that's one thing, right? Now, you're asking your employees to cheat. So not only are you cheating inside Minute Maid Park, which is proven—it's fact—we now have pictures of it. Now you're asking, you're asking your scouts who are really like independent contractors—you're asking your scouts to do it—and they're all saying, "Ah, yeah, I'm not doing it." Quote: One thing in specific we are looking for is picking up signs coming out of the dugout. This is what the email said. We are looking for is, what we're looking for is how much we can see, how we can log things, if we need cameras or binoculars, etc. So go to the game, see what you can or can't do, and report back your findings. How dumb are you to put this in writing? It literally is the dumb I learned this I was in a lawsuit years ago it was the worst time of my career. I can't really talk about it I could but I'm not supposed to. I sued a major entertainment company. Let's just put that here you know what all right Cody you tell me would you say these people are uh, big time? Yes yes. And what I learned is, and what we found out, and one of the reasons why I made out in this major lawsuit is, and it's something that, let's just face it, companies think they're smart, and they're not. You will never find me, Chris Townsend, writing anything in an email that's of any importance. Because once you hit send, it's out there. And you can't take it back. And we now live in this world where everybody in business doesn't want to pick up phones anymore. They want to text and they want to email. Well, guess what? When you're in a lawsuit, I can get all your emails. And all of a sudden... I now have a path to show what you've done, just like what the Astros have done. It's in writing. So when you get in a lawsuit, you can get all those emails. And that's what we were able to do. We were able to prove our case based off this company's emails. And they were going from San Francisco to New York, back to San Francisco, and we got them all. And that's where they knew they were in trouble because you put it in writing. Don't put any – folks, if you learn anything from today's per, show, don't ever put anything in writing that you that you think that can come back on you. I don't put any – my – I I learn, and I – so if there's anybody with the A's listening right now, I'm telling you right now, you're only getting generic emails from me. <laughs> I, I learned the lesson. Generic. Don't put any – they've got this – you know – Major League Baseball is sitting there with his email right now. They're investigating this. They're sitting with his email going, I cannot believe these guys put this in writing. They put it in writing for their scouts to cheat. Hey, if you need cameras, if you need binocular, what? That's how reckless it's getting in the game right now. There's no business sense. You've got these really smart people who are what? What? They're data crunchers. That's what they are. I went to MIT. I went to Harvard. I went to, yep, yeah, blah, 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 blah. You don't know how to manage people. You don't know how to run businesses. It's crazy. And they're all over now. That, that And that's where baseball is like has to figure this thing out because you've got a lot of smart There's – they're book smart people. They may not be street smart. They may not be business savvy. But they're smart. Yeah, they're smart. Great. Weighted runs created plus. Doesn't mean you know how to manage people. Clearly, if I went to the Houston Astros right now and said, everybody tell me your resume and your diplomas. Oh, that's, wow, Ivy League, Ivy League. Oh, God, you guys are all really smart. But yet you're putting in an email to tell your scouts to cheat, and you'll get them cameras and binoculars? That's dumb. Once again, you may be book smart, but you're not street smart, and you're not business smart. And it kind of scares you. Like, if these guys are this reckless, how reckless is everybody else? I think I know the A's pretty well. Hey, how about this? Somebody with the Astros, not they're not with the Astros. The person, like I guess, is a, somehow covers the team, who was going back and forth. Dallas Braden on Twitter, where the person said, "Hey, how about the A's and their drums?" Which is so ridiculous. But that's that. That's where we are. The A's fans are using drums. Is there a certain drum that's saying when it's a fastball versus a breaking ball? The Astros came out and said, oh, yeah, on road games, we send people out to center field. They send their own employees out to center field to see if the other team's cheating. What? Cody, who was that? Was it the Rays that had people in the dugout that were kicked out because they were – what was that story? I mean, this is, this is getting it, – it, it's so far over the line. It so has jumped the shark at this point.
2: Apparently, during the playoffs this year, it was an uh, article on The Athletic that the R- a Rays had a scout kicked out of Yankee Stadium for recording because Yankee Stadium doesn't allow recording devices. So the scout was later kicked out, but they let him come back in, but he was kicked out because he had the recording device. So people are starting to think, were well, they you know, stealing signs or something? But it was none of that. It just, he was kicked out for having a camera when you're not supposed to have them because like, every stadium is different, and Yankee Stadium's one that doesn't allow cameras at their stadium.
1: And what did Trevor Bauer say about there was somebody in their dugout?
2: Uh, that, was on, it was on Twitter. Yeah, let me let me pull it up.
1: Yeah, Trevor, our friend of the program, great Trevor Bauer, brought up about somebody being in their dugout from the opposing team. I mean, this 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 stuff's real, man. I know the A's pretty well. I, I'm I'm pretty sure the A's aren't doing it. But
2: Oh, so you mean to tell me the guy videoing our dugout in the twenty eighteen ALDS when he was with the Indians wasn't just wasn't doing that to protect against the Indians stealing signs. Who would have ever guessed that he was up to no good? What a revelation. Maybe at MLB we'll do something about it this time. But And he sends the shrug emoji out on Twitter. So an
1: Astros employee was taping the Indians in their dugout in 2018. Remember, the Astros said this only happened in 2000. 2000- well, I don't think the Astros have said anything.
2: Yeah, they released the name of that guy that I think was in a – let me, let me pull it up. I remember reading it in an article.
1: Right, like like the Astros are not – they're just – people are saying this only happened during the regular season in 2017. That's what first came out. Now there's all kinds of stuff out. I mean, there's pictures of the guy. It was so blatant the way they did this too. So there's a picture out there on Twitter of Jose Altuve come up the stairs and there's the guy like holding the television, like that's the television that they used that's close to the dugout. That the camera in center field that they're pointing at the catcher and taping the catcher, that's the television right by the dugout. I mean, it's so blatant. It's like they're not even hiding it. They weren't even (laughs) hiding it. It was so blatant. Oh my God. So Rob Manfred. Bottom line is this. And we'll see what Scott Miller has to say, CJ Nikowski, Tim Kirchin. We already know Tim is very worried. Like the these these new baseball executives, let's call it as we see it. They're reckless. They're very, very reckless. And they clearly are not afraid to break the rules. Yes, it's all about winning. Just win, baby. But, you know, at some point, and I don't remember who made this comment on MLB Network. Someone made this comment like, if you're the Astros and you're cheating at this, this much, do you guys really feel good about yourselves? Like, do you really feel... I mean, do you earn it? Are you earning it? Now, that could be something you could talk to the New England Patriots about. I mean, the New England Patriots have flat-out cheated multiple times. Bill Belichick had a $500,000 fine. It's the largest fine ever on a coach. You know, some people can live with that. Some people can say, we're trying to get an edge. If it wins us a Super Bowl... That's all that matters. That's when leagues have to step in and say that's not how we are gonna operate our businesses. Sometimes you have to protect people from themselves. And that's where we are right now. The Houston Astros, like Jeffrey Luno, this whole thing that the Astros are gonna investigate themselves again is a is a is a fraud. And the fact that the man who's running the business is putting out the, I don't know, wait a minute. You're trying to tell me that everybody in that organization doesn't understand that there's a television right outside the dugout That's you walk down the stairs, it's right to your right, that's videotaping the opposing team's catcher. You're trying to tell me that the manager doesn't know about it? You're trying to tell me the president of baseball operations? It's right there. You're seeing it every home game. You don't know about it? See, it's that kind of stuff where the commissioner has to come in. I I, I would, I, if it was me, there'd be suspensions. I have to take you out of the workplace for you to understand what you did wrong. Clearly, like, The New England Patriots are a great example. Clearly, taking draft picks and finding them didn't work because they continued to cheat. Tom Brady, greatest football player of all time, maybe. Still, it's going to be you ruined your phone. You ruined evidence because you were cheating. Whether you think pumping up the balls or not is cheating, it's cheating. It's against the rules. They, They illegally... The New England Patriots, videotaped people. They taped their practices. They taped a practice before the Super Bowl against the Rams. They're cheaters. What what what's going to stop them? The only way, it's like kids. The only way you can teach people is you got to take something from them. What are you going to take from them? They'll survive draft picks. They'll survive international money. They'll survive fines. It's just a check. Here you go. How do you really send a message to people if you would have said, all right, I'm taking you out of the job, and you're going to sit on the sidelines for a while? If Manfred has, if he can grow a pair, this is what he would do. Jeffrey Luno has not learned. Like, we've noted. I mean, it's been a month of just watching disaster after disaster, right? And he doesn't own up to anything. Well, I think it's time for you to sit on the sidelines. A.J. Hinch, you knew what was going on. Time for you to sit on the sidelines. And if the other 29 teams, if they watch the president of baseball, what's his official title? Luno's official title?
2: He's the president of baseball operations.
1: Okay, if you, you watch the president of baseball operations suspended, big league manager, suspended. I mean, you really want you you, you really want to get into it? Hey, Alex Cora, time for you to take a little sideline. I mean, if you start sidelining guys, guess what? These cameras will start going away. The electronic cheating will start going away because you have to set an example because just finding guys ain't going to do it. I mean, there's one thing. I mean, winning, it's a premium. It's a, it's a win or lose business. I get it. But when there's systematic cheating going on, you got a problem. How are you going to stop it? The only way I'm going to stop Cody from cheating is i got to take you out of the job and take your pay away from you. You're going to go on administrative leave without pay, and you're going to go sit on the sidelines for a couple months, and you're not allowed in the building. See, that's the thing where the NFL is different from Major League Baseball. When you're suspended from the NFL, you can't come to the building. There's no Frankie Montas getting popped for 80 games, hanging down out in Mesa with the A's. That shocked me because in football you get suspended, you're out. You have no communication with the organization, you cannot set foot in the building, you are penalized. And that's really what needs to happen here. I don't think I'm being do you think I'm being too harsh?
2: Mm, not at all.
1: This story gets worse by it's it's like it's like if you if you're in baseball like we are, I mean, we're hardcore. This is what everybody's talking about.
2: It's the number one story. I think it's. I mean, yeah, the NFL takes king, but I think it's the number one story in sports. To me, I mean, this like Deflate Gate and and Spy Gate was taken over, and the Bounty Gate with the Saints. Yeah, that's all people talked about forever. And now you got this, where teams are cheating. By the way, Kyle McLaughlin was is the Astros baseball operations staffer who was removed from Camerwell's next to the dugouts of the Indians and White uh, Red Sox during the postseason after he pointed his cell phone into the dugout. Now, get this: Luno said the Astros were running a counterintelligence operation against teams to ensure they were not cheating.
1: Do you see what I'm saying? This is the guy running the Astros. They they just lie to you over and over again. They're worried about people cheating, and they're the biggest cheaters. But are they? Coming up next, we're going to talk to Scott Miller. What does he know? Is this an Astros thing? Or is this a Major League Baseball team? I mean, a Major League Baseball thing. I mean, how many teams are doing this? I mean, think about if you're a pitcher and you go out there and you get lit up in a game and guys are up there just taking incredible hacks against you. Is it going to be in your mind like, are these do these guys know what I'm throwing? How many teams know what the pitchers are throwing? What are people doing at home versus the road? Some scary stuff. We'll talk to Scott Miller next, right here on A's Cast Live.
0: Streaming from the East Bay. East, Bay, East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Yeah, go
1: read Buster Olney's piece from yesterday. He says, consider the timeline of what took place in the last three months of 2017. In August of that year, the New York Yankees accused the Boston Red Sox of violating baseball's rule against using technology in their dugout in order to decode pitch-calling sequences for the hitters, with base runners used as the conduit for the information. In mid-September, Rob Manfred closed the case by fining both teams. The Yankees were determined to were determined to have used a dugout phone improperly in a prior season, and what did they do? They lost draft picks. That was it. Scott Miller is with us. Of course, Scott does a wonderful job for Bleach Report, also Sirius XM. Scott, welcome to A's Cast Live. We appreciate you taking the time.
3: Hey, Chris. My pleasure. How are you?
1: Uh, we're doing well, and, you know, we're all over this Houston thing because, obviously, they're in our division. We play them a ton, the, the the story just keeps getting worse. I don't know if a, an organization has had a worse month than the Houston Astros. And with everything that's going on, a great job reporting going on by the Athletic, as you just start to realize there's something really serious going on, and the commissioner's office just saying fines, just saying loss of draft picks, I don't know if that's enough anymore. What do you make of everything going on in Houston right now?
3: Yeah, you know, uh, as the evidence mounts, you you have to think that B- Commissioner Rob Manford and his office have to come out with a strong ruling. I mean, there are a couple things at work here. One, everybody says, well, sign stealing is as old as the game is. And while that's true, not digital sign stealing, not using cameras and computers and all the stuff we have in our modern world. And as such, this by far is the most egregious case of a club cheating, not just once, but year after year after year. If we look at twenty seventeen and these current accusations, um, we look at the twenty eighteen else uh postseason with where Cleveland and Boston found the Houston uh employee shooting a camera into their dugout. And now, you know, even this year with the Yankees, you know, claiming there were whistles for you know coming from the Houston dugout. I mean that's three years in a row. Um, You know, the problem or issue or maybe most difficult thing, pick any of those words, is going to be for Manfred. um, What baseball usually does in issuing punishment is look at precedent and say, you know, whether it's a beanball fight uh, or whatever, a manager going nuts arguing, precedent is this was the previous punishment. The the, The issue now is, Manfred and his people are going to have to uh, kind of invent what the, the precedent for future cases is going to be. Because as I said, digital, uh, egregious, digital stealing, uh, more far reaching than anything we were aware of. So I think they're going to have to come down hard, be it you know draft picks, uh, suspensions of front office personnel, In my opinion, they're going to have to throw the book at the Astros um, based on what looks to be overwhelming evidence, uh, both to show fans the integrity of the game is intact, to show the other 29 organizations the integrity of the game is intact, and to show everybody going forward they're not going to tolerate this.
1: And what's scary is, is this is reaching out to other organizations. This is now the Red Sox and Alex Cora. This is Carlos Beltran and the New York yep. Mets. Uh, we know that uh, some people who used to work for the Astros are running the Brewers. They're now being accused. So it's like, how rampant is this in our game?
3: Oh, it's it's pretty rampant. I mean, I did an extensive story talking to many people from many clubs going into this postseason story ran. Maybe I want to say it might, have, might've have even been the, the day of the, uh, of, of the athletics wildcard game. It was that, or the next day, this, this fall. And you know, I talked to a, a number of people and everybody said, you know, look, there are a handful of clubs people think are the guiltiest and they're You know, the, the clubs have been in the playoffs the last few years. Houston was targeted by a number of people. Um, you know, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, but as people said across the board, it goes on to various degrees. It's just a question of who's doing what and how bad are they doing it.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe. And, and you know, the thing, uh, what's great about the A's is that, you know, we've had Billy Bean and David Forrest in their positions for a long, long time. They're above board on everything and a, and a class act. It's just we have a lot of new people coming into our game that they're, they're very smart. They got great diplomas. They're data driven. I just don't know if they really understand how to truly run a business, how to handle employees. I, I think about this email that's asking scouts to cheat. It made all these scouts feel uncomfortable. It's like, these guys are smart, but Scott, I don't know if they really know how to truly run business and how to handle employees.
3: Well, that's, Definitely the case, I believe, and, and secondarily, uh, whether they understand how to operate within the baseball world because, um, you know, uh, these guys come in when, and when they ask for these kind of things to be done, the, 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 the problem or the issue we're having, I think, in this game right now, Chris, is, um, you know, in my, in the modern world, the word disruption is, is used quite a bit, right? I mean, in different businesses, uh, especially – You know, startup businesses, you know, like an Uber, you know, they're proud of disrupting the way normal conventional business is done. And we have these business, you know, not to obviously blame Uber, I just use that as an example, Uber, but there are any number of different startup type companies as the world has changed rapidly in the past few years. And we've seen some of that uh, or a lot of that in baseball i mean that's the whole analytics it's the whole bringing in ivy league employees who come from computer backgrounds and analytic backgrounds and 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 have never worked before in baseball now all of a sudden you're putting all these people in charge and we're seeing a sea change in in the game right now from the way the game's played on the field uh based on all these numbers to the managers we're seeing hired or you know the old days Uh, You know, Buck Showalter would have been hired, you know, last year or let alone this year. And he's still on the bench, you know, while while we see newer, younger managers who haven't done it before installed as manager because the front office has won somebody that uh, they can basically tell how to run the game. And so there's any number of areas where the game's being reinvented right now. And, you know, it's it's not all good. I mean, there are some dark areas going on right now. I mean, you know, you've heard all the stories about, you know, one casualty of the analytics movement has been scouts. I mean, so many scouts are out of work now. And these are guys that maybe played the game once they've invested their lives in the game and they've worked 30, 40 years of the game and they're being thrown in the garbage can. And it's been going on for years. And to a degree, there's also, I think a moral, imperative here at work and without going too high and mighty on some moral throne. Um, I just, I have problems with new people coming in. It's one thing to have new people come in and say, we're going to try to do things differently and look at things new that that, there's, there's, that can be a good thing. But when you have new people come in and just throw people, other people that have devoted their lives to the sport into the trash can, um, yeah, there's there some issues here, and and one of the issues we're seeing manifested, I think, in this whole cheating scandal.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, baseball's got to figure something out this off season. I think there's there's no question about it. You know, you're down in San Diego, and Bruce Bochy lives down there, and I'm not sure how much you've been able to talk to him, but I, I knew it was so obvious that he did not want to leave that Farhan wanted to get his guy in in San Francisco. I believe Bochy will manage again, and I will. I think he'll be in the dugout. You know, he'll take one-year hiatus, maybe do a little TV or whatever, but I see him being back in the dugout, don't you? I do not
3: disagree with that, and I do think he maybe would have stuck around a couple more years. But, you know, again, you know, Bruce Bochy is a smart guy, and, and we just talked about all the smart guys, Ivy League guys, coming into the game. Bruce is smart in a different way. He's an old-school baseball guy that is street smart and um as such even though he and Farhan Zaidi got along and and I think Farhan probably went out of his way early to be as deferential to Bruce as he could and you know Bochy there was that uncomfortable getting to know you stage but Bochi with his street smarts I think you know read the writing on the wall that You know, Farhan Zaidi was brought into San Francisco to change things up. Again, disrupt things, disrupt the way the old business was being done. And from that perspective, uh, you know, Boach was smart enough to say he is going to want to do things his way. I've done things my way for so many years. Um, Basically, Boach, I think, read the writing on the wall Maybe not necessarily that he was going to be fired or anything like that, because obviously winning three World Series, it would not be a good look to fire Bruce Bochy. But I think he read the writing on the wall that, hey, um, they're going to do some things differently here. Maybe I'm not going to be able to always manage the way I like to manage. And as such, I've been here a long time. I've won three World Series. This is a natural time to step away. And I, I really think that, uh, Bocha street smarts caused that. I agree. I think given a different scenario, he would still be the manager of the San Francisco giants. And um, as such, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I would predict he will be back in the dugout. Now to your point, Chris, I think he'll take the year off and who knows? I mean, he's promised his wife time at home. He's going to do some traveling. Um, you never know how people react to that. I mean, maybe, when he steps away and gets a breather, he'll say, you know what? Uh, It's kind of nice not being on a schedule all summer. And (laughs) Maybe he'll stay uh, retired, but, you know, he also may step away this upcoming year and have that itch that needs to be scratched and say, "I'm, I'm going
1: back. Oh, well, we got the winter meetings coming up down in your backyard in San Diego. We're going to be down there for it. We're, it's going to be a lot of fun having A's cast down there and talking to people like yourself, and hopefully we're going to have a lot of signings. If you had to predict one team who's going to be the major player this offseason, who would that one team be?
3: Yeah, I, I think the uh, Angels down in Anaheim. And the reason I say that is uh, they've already – stepped into the, the spotlight this winter when they, when they uh, made the decision to fire Brad Ausmus after just one year and bring uh, Joe Madden in. Uh, that was a bold move. And I don't believe that's – you don't just hire Joe Madden and then do business as usual, you know, same old, same old. I think what happens next, clearly Artie Moreno is, is uh, you know, getting impatient. He's ready to win. And they haven't been able to do that the last few years, specifically because of that starting rotation. I think they're going to be major players for Garrett Cole, uh, UCLA product, Southern California native, uh, who everybody in the game thinks wants to return home to Southern California. I think it's good timing for Garrett Cole to be a free agent if, if his desire is to go back west, because uh, the Angels have a strong, strong need uh, for starting pitching. And I think they're getting worn out. With Mike Trout putting up one great year after another, and then sitting home in October, what we've seen in Artie Marino in the past, when they are when he is impatient, he goes out with a checkbook. And he goes big. We saw that with Albert Pujols. We saw that with Josh Hamilton. Um, you know, a couple of others as well. And you know, going way back, Vladimir Guerrero was another one. So I, I think they're going to uh, make a big splash with probably Garrett Cole. If not Garrett Cole, there'll be somebody else. I think there'll be a major player. I also think we're going to see a major move or two from the Chicago Cubs. You know, a year ago, Theo Epstein said this, the 2019 season was going to be a year of reckoning. He recognizes that core in Chicago, Uh, the Chris Bryant's Kyle Schwarbers, Anthony Rizzo's, Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez. Um, that core, I think they've ridden about as far as they can. You know, they won it all in 2016. fact that they three more years have passed without them winning at all, they need to shuffle the deck. I see the Cubs. You know, the year of reckoning, okay, fine. The reckoning's here. I don't believe the reckoning is, oh, we're going to not have Joe Madden manage. We're going to hire a new manager and David Ross, and that's it. Reckoning, to me, is a lot more ominous and mean, a lot more far-reaching.
1: Scott, always appreciate the time, and we'll see you down in San Diego for the winter meetings. Sounds good, Chris. Thank you. Take care, buddy. Scott Miller, one of the best in the business. always love having him on the program. Yeah, what are the Cubbies going to do? Hey, you don't bring Rossi in. Remember, David Ross. Theo said, you don't bring Rossi in if you want to puppet. Chris Bryant traded? Somebody's going to the Dodgers, by the way. If you're if you're kind of just kind of reading the tea leaves, is it going to be Rendon? Is it going to be Bryant? Potentially Josh Donaldson? They want to bring in a third baseman, and Justin Turner says, hey, I'll move. Put him at second base. But then what do you do with this Gavin Lux kid? Who, that's, what are the Indians going to do? Like, if you're on MLB.com today, and they've got the rumors out there, what are you going to do with Lindor? Where are you going to trade him? Because right now what they're saying is, 26 years old, he's two seasons away from free agency, he's a wonderful talent, this is your height to trade him for as much as as you possibly can. I don't necessarily totally agree with that. I, I mean, I agree with the part that, yes, if you're trading for him, you love the fact that, you know, he's a couple of years away from free agency. But if I'm the team trading for him, they're, everybody's trying to act like the Indians have all the power. I had this conversation earlier today with the commander. We're talking about this, Cody, that I don't think the Indians have the power. I think the Indians are – if I'm the Dodgers, if I'm the White Sox, if I'm the whoever, and I'm interested in Lindor, I can look at you and say, Phillies, Yankee. I I can look at you and say, I know you can't pay him. You have to get rid of him.
2: And my response back to you was, it's going to take a lot because what Jim Bowden from The Athletic, Said that the Dodgers would have to go up Ruiz, their top catching prospect, and Gavin Lux to get him, and possibly Corey Kluber. Now well, you're going well. Corey Kluber would come with Lindor. Lindor. I mean, if you're going to give up, if
1: you're going to give up top prospects, if the if if the if the Dodgers could get Lindor and Kluber, oh,
2: that's well, huge. That, that's that pitching staff that already has Kershaw, Walker, Bueller. Um, they're gonna have Dustin May, Gingergard. Although I said to you, I thought Gin- I said Gingergard. Ha- if you're the Indians, you have to get a pitching prospect back. If you're gonna give a- if Kluber, hypothetically is in that deal, you have to get a, a starter back to go along with Shane Bieber in that rotation. But if they got Lindor, to go along with Turner, potentially Rendon, whoever they sign at third base, you still have Corey Seager, who I wouldn't be surprised if they traded him in a deal for Lindor. You want him well, yeah. What do you
1: need him for?
2: Yeah, and you can keep Gavin Lux because so... they've
1: talked about moving him to third, but it sounds like they're going to be in on one of these third basemen, and if you can sign, he he he. Here's the deal in L. A. Friedman. It's been cute what you've done, but it ain't enough. This is L. A. And Lakers being good, Rams haven't been to the the Super Bowl.
2: Clippers are on the up and up.
1: Hey listen, you're fighting you're, you're you're fighting for the Almighty Entertainment Dollar in Los Angeles. And it's great you've been to the it's great you've kept all your prospects. It's great you've been to two world series. But uh you've won the division seven straight years and you haven't brought home a ring. So there's going to be, you know, cuz they they haven't been out there looking to spend huge dollars. They've got a big payroll and they gave the extension to
2: Kershaw. But they haven't signed any big, and they they signed one guy, that'd be AJ Pollock. Who they signed last offseason. That wasn't big money. But that's the biggest deal the Freeman's given out to a free agent since yeah, he's been so there.
1: Well, well, now there's starting to be pressure about winning.
2: Yeah, so like I I could totally see a Rendon going there. So
1: you sign Rendon to a big deal, and you trade for Lindor, who you're gonna have to sign to a big deal. Your 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 MVP at some point is going to need a big deal in Bellinger. But whatever. I mean, I, I could see L.A. I could see not the Angels. I could see the Dodgers actually making some big moves before it's all said and done. If you get in in, in an offseason, you get Lindor and Rendon, you remake the whole left side of your infield.
2: What what if you – I'm not even Rendon. Like I know a lot of people are linking him. I still think they're a dark horse to get Garrett Cole. I think they could throw money at Cole. They have the team built around him. So you have him going along with Kershaw and Walker Bueller. Oh, wow. That's a – Talk about a big three in your rotation. Wow, you got arguably the best right-handed, young right-handed pitcher in baseball in Bueller. You have Kershaw. Argu- well, he's going to be a Hall of Famer and what he's doing, and then you put Cole in that rotation. Wow. with Oh, uh, don't forget Ginger Garden. He's in there. He'll be in there too. And then you got to dress your bullpen because Kenley Jansen was kind of a mess last year. But they—that's the one thing that was always hurting them. And I always thought, if you if you move someone to second base, like say Turner, I thought Muncy could be a guy you throw at second base. And then, if you sign an outfielder like Castellanos, you put him in the outfield. You can move Bellinger back to first base. There's a lot of things they can do. There's a lot of options for the Dodgers. It's I think that,
1: yeah, but I think they want to keep. I, I I think they want to keep Bellinger in the outfield.
2: He's a good arm. He had the he had the twenty what twenty two defensive run saves in the outfield. And, so and,
1: and plus he's almost been hurt a couple times playing first base. So they don't want to. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. Like, if you're if you're the D-backs, Giants, Padres, Rockies, you got no shot.
2: What? So the, the Dodgers won, what, 100 and how many games won this? 100 and, they won 106. 100, they won 106. The next best team in their division finished 21 games back, and I think that was the D-backs at 85 points. So that, they're, well,
1: that that's why watching that, I didn't get, you know, we were, whoa, we were taping something during the, oh, we were taping uh, top 10. All time center fielder's a little green and gold history with our guy Dave Feldman during the during the Gabe Kapler far anxiety press conference, but I, I was able to watch you edit up on the computer the whole time. I'm looking like, what are these guys talking about, man? You're so far from the Dodgers. Like you're you're like not. They're all Padres, Rockies, D-backs. They're all so far from where the Dodgers are. To where the Dodgers, either you can you can live with these kids that you're bringing up like a Gavin Lux, or you can trade them and still be young with a 26 year old Lindor. I mean, they're talking about making these monster moves where their big league roster, like you just, how are you if you're in the West? How are you going to compete with these guys? They've got money, they've got talent. They've got youth. They've got everything you don't. I'm not saying the Giants don't have money, but the Giants, like, they can't get it. Like, they're, they're moving in the fences. They can't get people to come there. Like, their best thing was, like, oh, you bring in Hunter Pence, and he likes it, and you re-sign him. I mean, big-time free agents have not been looking to go to San Francisco. Like, how are you going to compete with like the Padres? How you going to? Okay, let's say you do Lance Strasburg. So, you're not competing with them.
2: So, to the score runs. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, they have a nice. They have they have a lot of talent in San Diego, but we've heard that for how many years that they have a lot of talent coming through that they've never like? It, it's when do you when do you stop talking about how how good the talent's going to be and see that talent on the field? Because you're right, they're not catching the Dodgers. I, don't, I think the only team close to catching the Dodgers might be Arizona, and they didn't even care last year. They went through one of those years where it was like, you know what? Uh, well, we might be good, we might be bad. Who cares? And they end up the finishing 85 wins, but and the Dodgers still finished 21 games ahead of them. Yeah, like you're not like unless you make major moves. Even for even for the Padres say they signed Strasburg and Cole, still got to score runs, and you're not getting a lot. You're not getting, you're not getting anything out of the Hosmer deal. I'm, I'm sorry, he was a when he left when he left Kansas City to go there, and he signed that major deal. They're really not getting anything out of him, and and he it's sad because he was really good in Kansas City. He's good for a
1: price, and he's not good for that price. That price that they're paying him, yeah, it's it's just everybody's so far from the Dodgers. It it it, it is it is um, but but I don't know. Everybody keeps saying the Angels making these big deals. They're gonna need more than just Cole. I mean, they're gonna, they need outfield help. They need infield help.
2: Well, you're going to lose Calhoun. You need starting pitching. You, you need had, starting pitching. You had one guy go over 100 innings as a starting pitcher. One guy. I think it was Trevor Cahill, to be honest.
1: Correct. Coming up next, we're going to head to Texas. A lot of rumors surrounding the Texas Rangers. They got a new ballpark they're moving into. Thank God. They're going to have a retractable roof. And then we'll ask CJ Nikowski what needs to happen with baseball and the Houston Astros. We'll talk to him next right here on A's Cast Live.
0: This is A's Cast Live. Your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. Two-two pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Goal! for you, Cody Bellinger. It's one out. Oh! Also, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, I got to tell
1: you looking forward to seeing what this new ballpark is going to look like in Texas. Because if anybody needed a retractable roof, it was the Texas Rangers. It is so hot. I mean, sitting through, those people sitting through games, it's over 100 degrees. And then it rains, and it's the hot rain, and they just, you know, there's so many rain delays. I mean, if anybody needed the new yard, it's the Texas Rangers. And when we were there, got to walk over and kind of look in, and it looks like it's just going to be it's going to be awesome. They've got such a cool setup. Because remember, Jerry's World is right there where the Dallas Cowboys play. And they got this place called Texas Live with all these restaurants and bars. They have done it right in Arlington. Do we have CJ? CJ, it's Chris Towns with the A's. How are you? Good, Chris. What's going on, man? How you doing? Uh, we're doing well. Just a little off-season baseball. Just talking about your guys' new digs. It's it's going to be a great year for the Texas Rangers. Just how excited is everybody for this new ballpark? And you got a retractable roof, and you now know you're going to be getting in all 81 games.
4: Yeah, it's going to be pretty amazing. And we've been, we've known about this for a couple of years. We we saw Texas Live open last year. Um, and kind of get that thing started. I heard you talking about it a little bit. And that's kind of been the trend now in baseball and these stadiums going up and there's entertainment complexes that go with it. We saw it in St. Louis. Uh, We saw it in in, uh, Atlanta with the Battery. And just like everything else uh, in Texas, this one is bigger and better. And I imagine that any new ballparks that go in, they'll continue um, to get bigger and better. But this place is pretty amazing. And of course, being right there by AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play and all the venues that go on you know, Arlington, Texas has worked really hard to try to become a destination for sports, not just the Rangers and the Cowboys, but then whatever college games they host, uh, wrestling that they've had over there at AT&T. And t t is not uh, at all associated with what's going on at Texas Live in the new ballpark at Globe Life Field, um, but it's all right there. And it's pretty amazing. There's a Lowe's Hotel there. Troy Aikman has a restaurant. Pudge has got a pizza place. You can bowl in there. You can do electronic golf. I mean, yes, there's going to be major sporting events going on, um, but the place is open every single day all year round. Um, which is which is pretty amazing and it's just gonna be a lot of fun pre post game during the game. They have this one hundred foot television screen on the inside, which is the biggest indoor screen that's not in a stadium. I mean it's just amazing. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible and we haven't even talked about the ballpark yet. I heard you talking of course about, you know, the roof and the idea of all the games. Um, getting in that's going to be very welcome for Ranger fans it got tough you know during the middle of the summer day games were near impossibilities you have to have Sunday day games because of the national broadcast on ESPN you can't play at night which just crushed um the Rangers so i mean across the board everybody is is really excited uh, about what's happening with the new ballpark uh and everything else that's going on in Arlington right now
5: oh yeah
1: i mean i i was over at Texas Live we were there for what four games I ate at that Lockhart barbecue place, I think, three times. (laughs) It's hard to explain to people how cool Texas Live really is. I mean, you don't need to tailgate anymore. You go to this place, and uh, there's so much entertainment. So it's a a lot of fun what's going on in Texas. Now, of course, when you start a new stadium and you open up new digs, you want to have a lot of sizzle on that steak. So rumors are out there that the Rangers are going to be players here in free agency.
4: Yeah, and that's the goal. And I anyway, knew I figured it'd be this year and or next year, uh, just because they hadn't spent in the last couple of years, and they've shown some really good patience. Um, you know, the issue, of course, becomes when you think about Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg. You know, the Rangers are not the only team um, that is interested. And what we've seen, which always scares me a little bit, but we've seen a trend here lately where you know there's so much money now available to players that they're not afraid to leave a little bit of money on the table uh, to go to exactly where they want to go. Like they'll have options. Um, Will the top guys, and it sounds like the Rangers are going to be in, um, and not a real surprise knew it was coming sooner or later. It's just a matter of who and where. They certainly could use as many an additional starting pitcher. uh, The idea, uh, of course, of third base is a big one, right? Adrian Belcher retired a year ago last year. The Rangers ran a couple of guys in and out at third base, but to be able to get a cornerstone piece like, uh, Anthony Rendon would be great. If not, maybe Josh Donaldson, Mike Moustakas is out there as well, although the Rangers, I think, would prefer to have a right-handed bat if possible. they got got plenty of lefty um, batters. So uh, a lot of different things at play here. But it, it's encouraging and exciting to know for Rangers fans it's not just going to be about a pretty ballpark. It's that the organization is going to be aggressive this offseason.
1: Well, not only do you work for the Texas Rangers, but you also work nationally for SiriusXM, and you're a part of the leadoff spot show Uh, We've been talking a lot about this. Uh, The Houston Astros, this whole thing's a mess. I mean, this last month of losing the World Series and firing Brandon Taubman, and then now the cheating scandal, and now we're knowing that it's just not the regular season 2017. This has been going on for years. It's now bled into different organizations, Red Sox, Mets, potentially the Brewers. How have you guys been handling this at SiriusXM, and how big of a problem do you see this with the Houston Astros?
4: I mean, it is a big one because it's one of those things that there's always been rumors for decades about teams that might have been cheating electronically, whether using television cameras or their own cameras. But there was never any evidence, and there was never any players uh, that described a system and how exactly it worked. And that has now happened um, with the Astros. And then, of course, now we digging in and going back and looking at old 2017 games, and the videos have been floating around about you know how they used a trash can and listening forward and watching and seeing if you could actually... Um, get that backed up, and there definitely seems to be some evidence out there, um, and this is a big problem for Major League Baseball. Rob Manfred um, has got, to, first of all, i got to finish this investigation, and they have a lot of people that they need to talk to, and then they're going to have some pretty tough decisions to make here as far as how heavy they come down on those that were uh, the ones that were involved in this, and it's it's just it's such an awkward spot to be in because not only are you looking at trying to punish an organization, that's one thing, like right? fines, draft picks, you know, we've seen, Um, executives get banned a couple of them over the last couple of years for life uh, from baseball. Uh, We saw it in Houston. Actually, We saw it in St. Louis. We saw it in Atlanta. Um, Could that be potentially on the table here for the Astros if this was something that was driven more by coaches and players? Uh, How do you treat that? What kind of suspensions potentially could be out there? That's the thing. It's like thinking about Alex Cora, who, of course, now is the manager of the Red Sox. If we come to find out that he had a pretty heavy hand in this and that there was some kind of punishment that was due. I mean, what do you do? Do you give him, you know, whatever the number is, 30 days, 60 days a year, uh, where he's suspended and, and can't manage his current team? I mean, that's a, it's, it's a really strange spot to be in, especially for a new general manager, and Hein who just took over. And it's also awkward for Rob Manford that the Red Sox would be the ones that would have to pay a penalty for something someone did while they were a member of a different organization. The Carlos Beltran angle is very interesting. He is so far said, no, none of that, nothing outside of the ordinary that isn't normally allowed happened. Um, if That ends up being, you know, not true. They find out that he's responsible in some way. Uh, he was a player at the time. Right now he's the manager of the New York Mets. Like, that's kind of a weird deal that, you know, as a player, you've got the union, of course, protecting you and helping you out. Um, but he's not a player anymore. And so just, again, going back to the idea that other organizations could be penalized for something that guys did while they were a member of a different organization is it's just kind of wild. So Rob manfred has got a lot of work to do here. Um, but he also takes it real serious. Part of this is that it means something to him, and he wants to make sure that he gets it right.
1: Yeah, it's going to it's it's going to dominate the definitely uh the off-season talk and and how this is going to be addressed cuz obviously the Rangers and the A's we play these guys a lot and right now you got to go through them if you want to win the division and I just think about somebody like yourself as we've seen these videos and we're here in the trash can and think about you're up there and you're you're throwing filthy pitches and you're at Minute Maid Park, and these guys aren't even offering at it, right? They don't even flinch, and then they're on whatever they want to be on. I mean, if you were a pitcher, how would you feel about that when you know you got good stuff, and they're not even offering at your good slider because they're waiting for the fastball because they know when it's coming?
4: Yeah, paranoia sets in. That's one thing. Um, but just the idea, if you go back and you see it, and we've seen some video of it, obviously, anytime you know what's coming, you're going to be a better hitter. The idea of whether or not you just don't want to offer an off-speed pitch or, you know, you can sell out to the fastball, whatever it may be, there's a ton of frustration there uh, for pitchers. And just the idea of, you know, battling and going up there and doing everything you can and all of a sudden you find out that a guy knows everything that's coming, or at least when you're throwing an off-speed pitch, um, a monster advantage happens for the hitters. Now, again, we see these videos and guys are still making outs on pitches and they're still getting beat with pitches, which I think just kind of reiterates how difficult it is Um, To pitch, One of the videos that I saw that was going around I thought was kind of interesting because Roberto Osuna was pitching uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays at the time, and he blew a save, and there was a walk-off win for the Houston Astros, and the video kind of walked through all these little different things that they felt like might have been happening in Houston with the dugout and maybe cheating uh, with the camera. And Roberto Osuna, of course, is now a member of the Houston Astros. Like, I wonder how he feels when he sees that and is going in and walking in um, to that clubhouse next year, knowing that that organization basically cheated him a couple of years ago. So it's gotten really, really strange uh, in that regard. But no doubt a, a big advantage for hitters when they know uh, what's coming. And, uh, listen, they're a really good team. Right? You see them as much as I do. The Astros without cheating are a really good lineup, and there's no doubt that they're one of the best um, in the game. But you take the best and you give them a, an even bigger advantage, and it's just really frustrating, i got to believe, uh, for those that are in the game right now that have seen it happen uh, and knowing that they got cheated somewhere along the way.
1: So when you and I were growing up, on the sidelines in football, they had all this hand signals to, to from the coach to the quarterback to, to get the plays into the huddle. Now they got rid of all of that, and they've got green dot helmet, and you got a little speaker in your, in your helmet, and the head coach or the defensive coordinator can talk to the quarterback or the linebacker. I was just wondering – could we have some type of small headset for the pitcher and a little speaker inside the catcher's helmet, and we'd get away from all this sign stuff? Do you think that could actually be possible in baseball?
4: I don't think so because, of course, you know, just because a sign goes in doesn't mean that that's definitely the pitcher going to throw in the case of football. Or you're going to run that play, right? That tell you what play you're running. You run it, period. Where in baseball, you got to shake off. You may go to something else. And so there's a lot more back-and-forth communication. It's not just getting a message to one guy. I mean, how does the pitcher say, no, I don't want that? And then, you know, if the catcher – it means the catcher has to say it, but he has to keep his voice down because he doesn't want the hitter to hear it. You know, obviously, that would be a little bit tricky. You know, it's come up, and a lot of people have talked about a way that, that we can get there. I don't, I don't think I see it happening, um, you know, as, as a possibility. But I think that this really it, – it's easy to to kind of avoid this kind of stuff. Obviously, with the center field cameras, it's but you just you can't – nobody's ever going to go to Houston and, and use one sign only going forward. I don't know if you saw the Washington Nationals talk about – Uh, What they did in the World Series was interesting, of course. Every game was won um, by the road team, and so the Astros go 0-4 at home. And, of course, they ran into some good pitching. But the Nationals used multiple sets of signs with nobody on base. That changed throughout the game. All the little different things that you might do uh, as a pitcher. You might be outs plus one or strikes plus one or sign after two, shake last, shake first. There's all these different systems that you would use. Well, Pitchers used to pretty much only use one. They'd have their thing that they would use. Well, the Nationals went in, and each pitcher had multiple sets of signs that they would use, and then they could just tell the catcher, hey, we're on this set, this is the set um, you know that we're using. And then, of course, the wristbands of the catchers would have to look down and make sure everybody uh, was on the same page. So uh, pretty there's there's definitely ways to get around it. I don't think we'll see necessarily uh, earpiece in the ear for, for pitchers and catchers. Um, what it will be, though, is that teams are going to be much more careful. The Astros basically got kind of a heads up. From other organizations they, we've, we've had some issues, we've had some suspicion with the Houston Astros, and so they went into that World Series very prepared um, and handled it very well.
1: CJ, always great stuff. We appreciate it. We'll be listening to you on Sirius XM and uh, we'll be calling you soon. Thank you for the time. All right, you got it, Chris. Great to catch up. CJ Nikowski. He's good. He's really, really good. That's why he's on Sirius XM. I you think about that. The Washington Nationals were tipped off by all. The, hey, these guys are cheaters! <laughs> you have to go into a World Series like ultra protective of your sides because these guys are cheaters. So they lost every game. What did their did their camera not work during the World Series? Too soon.
2: There's the jokes the jokes about the camera have been really your thing the other day about they should have used that camera for Bregman's MVP <laughs> thing was really good. <laughs> I I put that in the I put that in the uh, best of the week. <laughs> did, wait, Did I say that on the air or was that off the air? That was on the air. Yeah.
1: If if you watch the uh if you watch the whole MVP thing on MLB Network, so Bregman obviously is somewhere on vacation. It's like using his cell phone uh, and it's like, man they got a better camera stealing signs than they actually have for him being the MVP. (sighs) Everybody's gone into hiding, by the way, in Houston. Just so, you know, all of our friends, we love them to death. They don't want to talk. No one, anybody who is, anybody who works for the Astros wants no part of this. And I wonder, you know, you you, got to settle this. Pretty soon, because you don't want this lingering, you don't want, you don't want this to be the story heading into spring training. You want this to already be dealt with. Like, ideally, I don't know if you're going to be able to, I mean, how extensive can this investigation really be? There's only so many people that you, baseball organizations aren't that big. It's not like you got to interview everybody at Google, and you got to go to a bazillion different campuses in the Bay Area to get your information. I mean, the Astros—how many employees? How many people do you really need to interview? Some front office people, some coaches, players, and you're done.
2: Actually, you'll need to interview anyone. They're doing their own investigation. Oh <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Don't worry, Jeffrey Luno will take care of it. I want to. I want I want to give you an example of really what. When, And I'm glad Scott Miller agreed with me because it, it's a kind of question that when you throw it out there, you don't know what the answer is going to be. But you've heard what I've been saying. I've been saying you have a bunch of smart people that are coming into the game. They're data-driven people. They're not career management people. Okay? When you, when, when your title is general manager or Vice President of Baseball Operations, or President of Base... It means you're going to be the boss. You have a department that you have to run. You're the manager. The buck stops with you. So you have all these employees. And you have employees around the world. I mean, we had David Feinstein on. From the A's. And he runs the international part of the A's. He's I mean, he's doing he's doing conference calls at one in the morning because he's got he's got guys in Asia, he's got guys in South America, he's got guys all around the world. You got scouts all over the place. You got guys in Venezuela, you got guys in Mexico, you got guys in the Dominican Republic, you could have a guy in Cuba. I mean, when you're the head guy, you gotta deal with everybody. You got scouts, you got coaches, you got players, you got assistants, secretaries. I mean, you have have a whole department. You got to manage people. Look at the guy who's running the Brewers now. I don't know how much we're going to see with the Brewers, but they're supposedly one of the teams being looked at right now. Allegedly. Allegedly. David Stearns graduated Harvard University with a degree in political science. While attending Harvard, he was the sports writer for the Harvard Crimson and an intern with the Pittsburgh Pirates. After graduating from Harvard, Stearns worked for the baseball operations department for the New York Mets and the Arizona Fall League. He joined MLB's central office in 2008 He worked on negotiating team for MLB's collective bargaining agreement, spent the last 13 months in the central office as manager of labor relations, where he aided teams going through the process of salary arbitration. 2011, Cleveland Indians hired him, co-directors of baseball operations, focusing on player contracts, data analysis, and strategy. 2012, brought in by the Houston Astros as assistant general manager, second only to Jeff Luno, general manager. While many organizations have multiple assistant general managers, the Astros only employed Stearns in that role. 2015, named general manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. That's the guy running the Brewers right now who was a part of the Astros and has watched the Astros do all the Astro things. I don't know this guy from Adam, but this is a great example of what is happening in the game of baseball today. Nowhere in his bio does it say he played baseball. Nowhere. I don't see anything that says he played college, pro. He's a political science major, and that's what Scott Miller and I were talking about earlier. Is these guys come in and they just want to change the world? They want to change everything. Sometimes you're going to be right. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. Well. The Houston Astros right now—they don't look like they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're so right. They look like they're—they're um, they're in some hot water, and maybe these newer people. I mean, he's not that new. I mean, he's a young guy. Obviously, he didn't graduate from college till 07. Uh, you know, got his job with the Astros in '12. You now he's been around baseball a little bit. I'm sure, he's a very bright guy, I, and I know and. You know, he may be great to his employees. But there's not a whole lot of management experience in this guy who's now running a professional baseball team. So that becomes the question. You know, I understand you're smart. I understand all you guys are smart. And all you guys have all this data that tells you this is how you win baseball games. But there is more to it than that. But these are the guys, like you look all these new guys coming into baseball they've got great I tell you their their diplomas look great and obviously he's done a good job because the Brewers you know they've been in the playoffs and that hasn't been an easy easy task but this whole cheating thing uh th- th- this has gotta this has got to get squashed pretty fast. You know, because now, now, I mean, when you start looking at Twitter and you got players going back and forth on it, that's a bad look. You know, when you got video, I mean, think about the video here. You got the video. What was that?
2: Looks like an update appeared on the computer. That's the first time that happened. Millennial technology. We got an update? Something happened? That's my fault for leaving the sound on. I'm trying to find this. Story about if Stearns played baseball. It says right here he never played professional baseball, let alone at the collegiate level. So he's like me, a high school baseball star. Did he even play in high school? I don't know. It just doesn't say collegiate level. So I don't know. Maybe he played in high school. JV. So that's the thing. It's, Little League. It's like you got a bunch of
1: these guys that just, they are just data driven people. And what have I said about that when it comes to making moves? Remember, data driven people are very conservative you don't you're not a wild and crazy guy if you live by the numbers right work with me here if you say trust the numbers it's all in the numbers then then you're that you're that type of person that's not going to be you know why do you why do you see certain teams not making big moves, not making big signing? That they're paralyzed by the numbers. They're scared. They're scared to make certain moves because the numbers may not say it. You know the the old gut feeling. Trader Jack Jack McKeon <laughs> making all kinds of moves. These guys are very conservative people because that's who numbers people are. They're conservative by nature. Thank. God, Billy Bean is not like that. He's not paralyzed by the numbers. He's not scared to make moves. He's not scared to make change. Yeah, you got a bunch of guys, never played, and they're just numbers people. But if it works, hey. We got to get into something. Do we have somebody coming up here at 2.30? What do we got going? What do we have going here,
2: Cody? The the great Ken Korak. The The voice of Summer.
1: The great Ken Cor. Okay, we have to talk about something that happens in the NBA that just cannot happen in baseball.
2: Oh, I like this story.
1: I just, it cannot.
2: This is something that I originally brought up a few weeks ago that we're, and, that we're seeing and, stuff about now. Sorry, I'm looking at the Japanese posting of uh, the starting pitcher, uh, Sean Yamaguchi. Who so Yamaguchi, 30- 6'2", 200 pounds. 32 years old, how, in is Japan. He, is he good? Well, if I, Hey, member, what's our claim to fame? Who did we discover? Well, um, we discovered him before all this Gong. stuff happened to him, before he got into all the trouble. But yeah. Jung Ho Gong of the Pirates, well, ex-Pirate, we found him, what, five years? That was five years ago already.
1: Yeah, we were, we, we were YouTube scouts on that.
2: Yeah, we called it. We said he's going to be the next big star. So how good is this guy? I don't know. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to look up some film. You're gonna, up some, you're, since you're, he's officially going to be posted. Apparently another guy has been posted, an outfielder from Japan, um, How much are they going to cost? I, I don't really want to try to butcher his name. Um, but he's going to be available. The posting process, the deadline is 5 p.m. December 19th. Yoshitomo?
1: Uh, suits, go.
2: Yeah, we'll say it's close enough.
1: Because <laughs> I think the T's silent.
2: Because it doesn't have their like When you look at look them up on baseball reference, it doesn't have the phonetic spelling. No. Well, 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 Shun Yamaguchi's easy, but...
1: Yeah. Yoshitomo...
2: Let me see if it's on there.
1: ...Sutasugo is going to be made available. That's one thing about Japanese players. They are expensive. That's why you got to hit on these guys. 32 years old. You just got to wonder what kind of wear and tear you got on that arm and how much is it going to cost we're heading where is ken is ken here is he in vegas where's the great ken korak
2: he didn't say he just said he's out of hibernation so i'm assuming he's probably down in vegas
1: ah we will talk to the great ken korak the voice of summer next right here on a's cast live
0: now back to a's cast live broadcasting from the town here's chris townsend
1: And I was just thinking, this is really going to heat up a rivalry. Even though it's lame that the Astros are even in the American League West with the Texas Rangers, lame. If you're not in the same time zone, you should not be in the same division. It's just, it's ridiculous. Texas. Teams in California and Texas should not be in the same division. It's ridiculous. But whatever. It's going to get heated up. I think this is going to heat up the division. I mean, look at the division. You watch the MVP balloting. Trout, Bregman, Simeon, all AL West guys. Angels are going to be all in. Free agency. Rangers opening up a new ballpark. They're looking to be good. You got the Astros won 107 games. The A's won 97. This division is going to be game on. It's only going to be the Mariners who aren't that good. It's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, some big name. I mean, if you already got the top three candidates for MVP in the division, you're going to throw in Shohei Otani healthy. You might be throwing in Garrett Cole. The voice of summer, the voice of your Oakland athletics is out of hibernation. Ken Korak joins us here on A's Cast Live. Ken, how are you? We miss you. It's been a while.
6: That's very well put. You put that perfectly, Chris. Coming
1: out of hibernation. I like that. So you're ready to get back into talking a little baseball, huh? Let's do it, man.
6: Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, I think, you know, usually when the calendar turns around Thanksgiving, that's when we start to uh, kind of begin to focus on the coming season. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, that was the thing while watching the – watching MLB Network and watching the MVP show, because it, it, I didn't really think about it till I watched that show. I'm like, wow, all three of these guys are in the American League West. I mean, you really think about the talent that's in the division and potentially, we had C.J. Nakowski on a little bit ago, and the Rangers opening that new building—they're going to want to have—they're going to want to have some uh, star power coming in. They're looking to sign some guys, and we know Artie Moreno's got that big checkbook, and th- they've made it very obvious that they want Garrett Cole. I mean, you could see some big-time names in this division next year.
6: Plus, you have Joe Madden taking over with the Angels, right? So, I think he brings a, a cachet. Uh, to that ball club as well, and especially if they were to go out and get uh, someone like Cole. And I've always, I've always really liked it when the division is good. I'm not sure Bob Belvin would agree, um, Chris, but if you're playing 19 games every year in your own division, you want these compelling matchups for your fans. So I'm with you. When you have big stars and good teams and the games are really good, if you're going to have the unbalanced schedule, I'm all for it. So, um, you know, you're right. You're right about what you said about the division.
1: Well, and then I think about where the A's are heading into 2020, and we're starting to see a, a, an early glimpse of it, and soon all the magazines will start coming out, and then all the websites will start doing their predictions. These guys aren't a dark horse anymore, right? This is not the little team that could. I mean, back-to-back years, went in 97 games. I did an interview earlier today with Tim Kirchhen. Uh, the A's are going to be front and center. They're not going to sneak up on anybody this season.
6: Teams have windows, right? Chris and the A's are in the middle of a window with some great players and with most of their club coming back next year. So I think they know that. And um, You've talked to David Forrest, and I've read a lot of the articles uh, during the offseason. I mean, the A's believe this is their time. And I'm not necessarily predicting this, Chris, but it wouldn't surprise me if there was a little bit of a drop-off with the Astros this coming year. Uh, and let's say they drop off just four, five, or six games, and the A's can gain a couple more games. Now you've got a really competitive division race uh... Uh, down the stretch. And, you know, I think the A's are really tired of of playing in the one-game wild card. So if the A's can step up just a little 97-96 wins, those were were great years. But um, I think the A's have a chance really to gain some ground on the Astros this year.
1: Yeah, and what's going on in Houston right now is it's not good. I mean, when you have when you have the commissioner's office investigating you not once but twice, two different incidents in a month, and you lose the World Series and everything going around, uh, and I, I got a feeling that the commissioner's office understands that they're probably going to need to throw the book at the Astros in some ways. It just Ken, when when you hear about stealing signs electronically and cameras and televisions and all the things that have been going on and blatantly going on and, and asking your scouts to cheat. It's just uh, this is not a good look for the Houston Astros right now.
6: No, and I, I really hope, Chris, that MLB's investigation is really thorough. Um, and and I, I have every reason to believe that it will because now this has really become a, an issue that's come to the forefront. Uh, because they're getting a lot of national attention. So I think they have to be thorough in the way they look at it, and I don't think there's any question. And the A's have mentioned this before, Chris, and Mike Fires came out, and he was one of the principals, of course, that um, I think he was the kind of a catalyst that led to um, what we now know would be the investigations that are going on. Uh, But the A's had their concerns and their suspicions. There's no question about that. And uh, Vince and I talked about it on the air. Uh, on more than one occasion. And if you look at, if you go back and look at some of the games the A's played this year against the Astros, especially in Houston, there were times when the starting pitchers, and for very good reason, the pitchers and catchers were very methodical just to make sure that, there, and there's two aspects um, to it, Chris. Number one, to make sure that nothing was going on where they were, that the signs could be easily detect, detected. And the other thing is you don't want to confuse yourself. So if you have a little more complicated signs, which I think you have to do if there is some suspicion, you have to make sure that you know what you're going to throw and the catcher knows it as well.
1: Yeah, we were talking to C.J. Nikowski earlier today about it, you know, former pitcher, and, you know, what that would be like when you're on the mound at Minute Maid Park. And let's say you throw some really nasty stuff, and they don't even flinch. Like, they don't even offer at it at all, and then they're jumping on something else. Uh, you just, I mean, in the back of your mind, you're going, come on, man. You, you're, 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 you're not even offering at my best slider, and, and it's like you know when the fastball's coming. I mean, this is not good for the game, because then people start doubting the validity of the sport.
6: Well, and now there's an opportunity to really clean it up and get to the bottom of it. So let's hope that happens. And there's a, there's a distinction between, you know, there's sign ceilings going on for 100 years, Chris. As you know, I mean, if you're a third base coach and the, the uh, catcher is sloppy with his signs, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? right? But when you get to the point where you're using electronics and computers and things of that nature... That's a very firm line, I think, that Major League Baseball has to draw.
1: What interests you the most this coming off season? What, what, what storyline are you really looking at?
6: As far as the A's are concerned or baseball?
1: Just baseball in general. In
6: general, Chris. Well, I think that
1: it would be great if some of the free agents
6: got signed earlier. I think this has gone on the last two or three years, Chris, and it's, um, it's, it's just been kind of laborious the way we've waited and waited and to see what was going to happen with free agency. Uh, and so it's and it's kind of almost rendered, I don't want to say irrelevant, but the winter meetings haven't had that pizzazz that you've had, we have seen in the past. It used to be you really looked forward to the winter meetings because there were free agent signings and a lot of trades. There hasn't been as much of that um, uh, in recent years. So that's one thing. And number two, uh, with the A's, with Billy Bean and David Forrest, you always have the, the sense that the unexpected is going to happen. So I'm always fascinated to see how the A's go about uh, their business in the offseason.
1: You know, you what's know, it's actually great about this team, Ken, for the most part, all the work's done. And I think what, what, what I'm excited about for 2020 is hopefully the A's not getting out to a slow start because it's not like a bunch of new guys coming in and need to learn each other. The core set, so hopefully they're ready to go game one.
6: Well, I know you've talked about that before, and you've
1: really emphasized that on your shows. and
6: um, I agree 100%. Uh, and that's one of the great things about baseball, and it's a cliche, of course, to say it, but a game you play in April means just as much as September. Now, these historically have gotten off to slow starts for whatever reason, and they played great in the second half. But last year was no exception, but especially because you play a lot of games historically in your own division early. So, um, yeah. And I think if you can get through spring training healthy, and I think watching, Chris, watching how the young ace is develop, it wouldn't bother me if the A's went out and got a veteran starter. It doesn't have to be a number one or a number two, but someone who will be like a solid three or four. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, you can't have too much pitching, and the A's are going to rely on a lot of young pitchers coming off injuries. So the more depth you can have, I think, the, the better you're going to be. But I think as the season unfolds, if people like uh, Puck and Lazardo, Frankie Montas comes back, we saw during the, the postseason, Chris, even with this trend toward your starters going five and people don't want the starters to go to the lineup the second time and get your bullpen in the game early. You, if you're going to compete in the postseason, get deep in the postseason and win a World Series, you have to have top-of-the-rotation starters who can get you there. We saw that with the Astros. We saw it especially with the Nationals when they won it. So if the A's have a couple of those guys, they have potential to have a couple of guys who could be dominant postseason starters on their club. And if that develops during the season, now you've really got something.
1: Yeah, and then I I think about Fran Reardon and the Las Vegas Aviators. They're going to have a ton of talent, too. I mean, right now, this is a good time for the A's. They've got a lot of depth with starting pitching.
6: Yeah, and how that unfolds in the offseason with Rule 5 draft and 40-man rosters and getting all that together. Uh, you, you've got to take those guys off the 60-man, obviously, the DL. Um, so they do. They have a lot of depth. And they might even have some trade pieces because if you really feel – I mean, let's face it, for the next several years, nobody's going to play first base besides Olsen or third base besides Chapman. They have some guys who are in French. So maybe they might have some trade pieces as well.
1: How are you swinging them here in the off season? Not very well, <laughs> not very well, my friend. But it's been
6: a great. It's really been a like a complete shutting it down uh, vacation. So it feels pretty good. Uh, my better half, my wife, is actually working at a golf tournament, t- a charity fundraiser today too. So uh, we've been pretty active in that during the off season.
1: And I, and I, I think I saw on Twitter you got some book signings coming up, right?
6: We do. I'm going to be, uh, thanks. Thanks for asking, man. I'm going to be up in the Bay area for about two weeks in December and, uh, maybe two and a half weeks or so. And we're going to have a signing December 14th on Saturday at the Barnes and Noble out in Dublin, which is a great location. When we had a couple of signings there when I, after the Bill King book came out and Ace fans, I think it's a great location. You know, there's plenty of parking out there, and it's easy to get to. It's one o'clock in the afternoon, and Susan Lester and I will be out there. Uh, we're scheduled to be there from one until three, and we'll be there as long as folks want to come out and hang hang out with us. There'll be plenty of books for sale, and we'll sign. And uh, those those signings have, have been a lot of fun for us, Chris, because it's really a chance to spend. You know, we spend a lot of time around A's fans during the season, but this is a chance to even spend some more time and get to know people. And uh, we're looking forward to that. So it's December 14th at the Barnes & Noble in uh, Dublin.
1: Yeah, it's a uh, perfect for A's fans and Christmas gifts. You know, this time of the year when you're thinking, what do I get somebody? Get them the book. It'd, it'd make a great Christmas present. Uh, have you decided what your next book's going to be?
6: Uh, the Chris Townsend story, <laughs> how I made it, how I, how I made it in Bay Area radio. I don't know, man. I don't think, I think I've run out of things to write about.
1: Yeah, that's what you I think
6: said. I going to be it. That's
1: what you said yeah. after the Bill King book.
6: I did say that, right? So don't, don't, uh, don't quote me on it then, right? But I don't know. I think if there's another book, it's going to be a long ways off. Tail- and, you know, Susan was, was so instrumental in, in this project, I wouldn't have done this project without her help, without her. I mean, she was the, the co-author, obviously. I,
1: I have the title. You ready? Yeah, let's go. Tales from the Treehouse. Tales
6: from the Treehouse with Chris Townsend. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, who, you know, um, there's so many people who I think are great. If you, if to write a, a book, you need a good story. That's why the Bill King book, almost wrote itself because he was such a great story. Um, I think like Bo Mel, you know, Bo Mel's story would be a good one. There are a lot of them. I think it would be, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in the game whose stories I think would lend themselves to uh, pretty good literature.
1: Well, you know, the thing about the Bill King book too was the fact that you talk to so many of the biggest names in sports, right? So it's like, I mean, my God, it's Hall of Famers. It's legends. I mean, not only was Bill a legend, but you talked to some of the the greats of the greats in sports history.
6: Well, thanks. We went into the project with a little bit of a blank canvas, not knowing exactly the direction we were going to go. And there was a point during the process where I thought, this is an opportunity to write a little bit of a Bay Area sports history. And I think it turned out to be that way a little bit. Uh, although we, you know, we covered the teams that Bill was involved in, but if you think of, of Bill's career, when he started doing Cal basketball, uh, basketball and football, and then obviously you go Warriors and Raiders and in athletics, and um, you know, he even did some hockey in his early days, uh, and even the time when the Raiders were in L.A. So uh, that just speaks out how, how many people Bill touched, and I've told this story many times, but of all, you know, I talked to so many so many people, Chris, but when I, 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 called Tom Flores. I don't think Tom Flores knew who I was necessarily, but I, and I asked him if he had a minute to talk about Bill King as I was working on this project. And his response was, I'm going on vacation. We're leaving almost right now, literally. And I want to make sure that I give you enough time to talk about Bill King. So if you don't mind, when I get back, I'll give you all the time in the world you need, because I need to have that time to talk about Bill. And that's the, that was the reaction, Chris, that I got from people in doing the interviews for the book.
1: Yeah, it was a, it's a great that, – that, that also would make a great Christmas gift. Hey, how about we give books for Christmas? How about that?
6: I think – because I don't know how to do it. I don't know. I'm not a playwright, and I've never even attempted. I don't think I ever would. But I remember that, that Dick Enberg wrote a, like a one person a one-person, one-actor play – on Al Maguire, because Dick and Maguire had worked together. Uh, and they were legendary. the Maguire and Billy Packer and Enberg basketball team, one of the great teams of all time. So I wrote a one-person play for Maguire, about McGuire. And I've always, I've thought about this. If someone was a lot more talented than me, could you like a play on Bill King's life? Wouldn't that be cool? I think it'd be great. Yeah. So if you know anybody that's, that's like a playwright, uh, I've always thought about that, you know. I think it'd be a really cool thing.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at Cody. Neither of us have talent, so we're we're out.
6: Well, the commander is too busy with his musicianship. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I mean, these are it's kind of fun stuff to think about.
1: You are the best, my friend. Uh, be well, and we'll be calling you soon because uh, you are out of hibernation.
6: I am. I'm officially, I'm all yours, man. Thanks, Chris.
1: You're the best. Thanks, buddy. Ken Korak, the voice of summer, getting you ready for a little A's baseball. It's going to be here before you know What are we, like 100 and – what's the countdown? Isn't there a countdown going on?
2: I think it's 129 days till up any day because I think it was one thirty yesterday, so 129. Where do you see that? Uh, I think MLB had it on Twitter. Someone tweeted it out or I saw it on Instagram. Someone had it, but it had a countdown and it just said one thirty. So, but I want to say it's 129 now because it was 130 yesterday.
1: How many days until opening day 2020?
2: You remember? I don't know if you remember, but they used to do a countdown on the uh, for football. They had a website set up. Well, there was that website, and there's a website set up for how many days until Gruden's contract expired last year? That was something people had to.
1: We are officially the countdown to March 26, 2020, opening day. We are 128 days, nine hours, nine minutes, and officially 30 seconds. Does that help out? 128 days. What is that? Oh, this is until uh, John Gruden's contract. Where is that? Eight years, eight weeks, two days, 21 hours, nine minutes, and 15 seconds till Gruden's contract is up. Hey, I'll tell you, Gruden's, Gruden's awesome. Gruden is a super guy. You know, I've now been doing the TV show with him for two years. And uh totally professional. Comes in, I mean, he comes in every Thursday. We do it from Alameda, the facility. He's in there every day. Show starts ten o'clock. He's there at ten o'clock. I mean, he's ready to rock. He's professional. He's fun. Uh, You know, so if anybody, there are any haters on Gruden, uh, stop your hater aid. Gruden's a cool dude. And the Raiders are winning. And if the Chargers beat the Chiefs tonight, the Raiders are in first place. So maybe the last game at the Oakland Coliseum will be a playoff game. Ooh. Going to be in New York. Going to be in New York this weekend, Commander. Downey in New York could get
2: a little crazy. Good to see Adam Gase. And the Sam Darnold and whoever else is on that Jets team. Although they won yesterday. They I will see them. whatever the Redskins.
1: I will see them on Sunday. I will not be seeing them Saturday night. Saturday night I'm taking Manhattan by storm.
2: Uh I was say, if there's any recommendation I get for you for me only being to New York once when I was ten, go check out an Islanders game. I heard that's a big rave there.
1: I'm not going to a sporting event.
2: Go see the Knicks play.
1: I'm not going to, you want to hear
2: you wanna see load management and tanking?
1: No, i d I'm I you know, I did that I did that in Houston. I went over to the Rockets game. Literally I was there for like five minutes. I went, Why am I here? I don't care. Do I really care about going to the Toyota Center? Do I do I really want to go to Madison Square Garden and go through that hassle to watch a bad basketball game? No. I'd rather party in Manhattan, baby. That's what we're gonna be doing. Can't not wait. Yeah, this whole load management thing. So this has been a problem in the NBA because you got stars taking time off when they're healthy. And that's not good for business. Then you got stars taking time off for national games. And that's when the NBA Gets upset. There is no. And I, if you know my career, I used to cover the Golden State Warriors. And I hosted the last two championships, the pre and post game show. And I hosted the two parades. And he used to drive me nuts. And basketball people would lay into me, oh, baseball guy. I went to multiple doctors. And I asked, is there any scientific evidence that says if you don't play a guy on March 16th that that will help him in June for the finals? And each physician said no. There's no There's no proof. There's no proof that I give you one day off where you don't play in a game and you sit in a suit at the arena – that this is going to help you three months down the line. There's no proof that it helps you for the next day. There's no proof it helps you for the next week. Load management. It's a joke. And if they start doing it in baseball, and here's why I think it won't happen in baseball, even though Eno said, give me, I didn't read the the article. What, What did Eno say?
2: So he took he took something from John Hollinger, the former. I want to say he was the assistant general manager or VP he, of basketball operations. He was the data guy for the yeah, Grizzlies. He, he used to work for ESPN. He came up with the Per Stat um, player efficiency rating stat for ESPN. But he talked about how the Grizzlies would sit players, and they get, he gave an example of uh, Mark Mark Gasol, their center, and Mike Conley Jr., their point guard, and how they would sit them. They had a four and five to start the year, and how the NBA got rid of that, and they sat their guys because it was due to early or it was due to. Um, it was due to a model um, that they set up not uh, with fatigue because teams are set. You what know, you think they sit players because of fatigue? They were sitting players due to a model they came up with. So hey, we're going to sit this guy on these certain days. And you know made the point that baseball has mostly been working with an observed, with you know observed fatigue, like meaning when players are you know tired, like a guy plays six days and seven, they sit out the seventh day. Where in, in basketball they have a model they were working off of, and that's kind of what he was building it off of, and that's something baseball could do because you see relievers pitch so many days in a row and this and that, and how load managed to come in. I, I mentioned this to you a couple weeks ago that I feel like th- this eventually is going to happen. Where I think it will happen because you know maybe the players' union does they don't want they don't want guys playing every single game, and that's that's a knock on a guy like Marcus Simeon who played every single game this year and had took pride in playing every single day. Where you have guys like. Buster Posey's going to pay $21 million a year to play 114 games. I know he's a catcher, but he also can play first base. So why is he only playing in 114 of 162 games? I don't don't get it.
1: Well, here would be my thing. What's different about the NBA and baseball is baseball, you're paid purely on your numbers. You want to make money? Put up numbers. Like, is there going to be a big difference in the NBA if I score nineteen a game versus eighteen a game? But there's going to be a big difference if you hit forty home runs versus thirty six. At forty, at forty numbers really nice. So if you don't play, you can't put up numbers. Because when you go to arbitration, I mean that. I mean that's the, that's the whole thing for me. Like you go to arbitration, you only played in one hundred fourteen games. I mean, look at the big knock on Yelich and Trout for the MVP this year. The big knock on them was they didn't play a full season. So if I'm now going to say, okay, uh, give me a guy, Matt Chapman. We're going to do load management. Matt, we're going to sit you out for 15 games this year. Okay? What happens if Matt takes those 15 games – and then also ends up getting hurt and has to go on the disabled list. So he's got to be off for 10 days. So now, let's say he has to twice go on the disabled list. So he, we gave him 15 days off, and then we twice had to put him on the disabled list. That's 35 games he's missed out of 162. You sure you want to get into load management? I mean, how many days off do you think these guys want? I mean, if I'm a player, I don't want days off. I mean, every once in a while, I'll give it. And they have more days off than ever before. For God's sakes, the NBA All Star game is like two weeks. How many days off do they have? Like nine, ten days off? It, it's ridiculous. And 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 it's it, and I always would get into this fight with these guys. They act like every guy in the NBA plays thirty minutes a game. No, they don't. Some guys play eight. Some guys play twelve. Your better players will play 32. I mean, my God, they have so many. Four games of fight. They don't do that anymore. But baseball, I mean, I guess if you have a long term contract, you may not be worried about it. But baseball is all about your numbers. And if you don't play, you can't put up numbers. Especially if you're a great player. You want to be in the Hall of Fame? You got to put up numbers. You ain't going to get in the Hall of Fame being the load management guy. You're getting the Hall of Fame for being in the lineup every day and putting up numbers. You want to get to the Hall of Fame? Uh, you better be making thirty something starts a year as a starting pitcher. Because if you're a load management guy and you're making twenty one starts, uh, yeah, that ain't happening. You want to make thirty plus million dollars a year? You're not going to make that as a starting pitcher pitching nineteen times a year. You better be pitching over thirty. Have I made myself clear?
2: Yes, and actually, one thing that they're saying that this is from uh, you know, has an uh, article from Cal Bode, who's now. The Reds director of pitching initiative slash pitching coordinator, he's the guy that created drive line. He said the spin rate changes are actually one of the best predictors of injury. That's what like that's something that's in this piece. It's a it's something that Bodie once told Eno, and finally that has since been confirmed to Eno by other front offices. So I'm assuming if your spin rate goes down or some along those lines as you can tell if a guy's gonna hurt, then, then, then just don't have him pitch so many days in a row. Like there's ways to combat these things. Instead of having load management, because this all took over when in the NBA, when what LeBron, what Pop started with when he said the three guys home, but he called it rest. And then LeBron, they started using load management with LeBron, but it mainly started with Kawhi Leonard last year with the Raptors. After he pretty much sat out the entire season, 2017, he comes back, goes to the Raptors, demands a trade, goes to the Raptors. They sit him out, they call it load management, and he plays in like 64 games, but they win a title. So people are going to start copying it because, oh, hey, we're going to see these guys. It actually works. I think Kawhi Kawhi Leonard in the load management in the NBA last year, and then winning was an outlier, as we like to talk about.
1: Whatever. You know what? That bores me to death.
2: Load management or?
1: The NBA. So much of the NBA bores me to death.
2: Well, with load management going on and everything that's going on with the crisis they're having with what happened with uh, Hong Kong and all that stuff that's – like they, I, I saw someone tweet out like their number, their ratings have gone down the last two years, but no one's talking about it. Like when the NFL went down, that was the biggest thing. Like the NFL ratings have have gone down every, you know, what what's going on in the NFL and basketball players are sitting out on national TV games and no one bats an eye at, except for us people who read and, read into tea leaves and like to complain about load management.
1: Well, they don't, they don't, they 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 even tell you their sport doesn't matter until December, till Christmas. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah, the NBA. Unbelievable. I'm so glad I don't have to deal with that anymore. That's the greatest thing about my job is I can just concentrate on truly what I care about. I do agree about the whole deal. I like I like how there's some some timelines for things that need to be done. And we're going to talk to Kim, Tim Kirch in just a moment. We'll get into that. I understand as a free agent, you should be able to sign whenever you want. But I do like the Scott Boris idea of, like, incentivizing teams to get stuff done by the winter meetings. Like, if you sign a player for X amount of time and X amount of money that's going to help make a splash, can I give you some extra international money? Can I give you uh, some more picks? causing teams to to, to make the offseason interesting again. I would have no problem with that. International money seems to be more important than what we've, you know, we haven't really paid a lot of attention to international money, but obviously you can sign these international players. You know, you're signing guys who are 16, 17, 18 years old that you think these kids could be stars. So would there be an advantage? Let's say if I'm like, let's just say, throw a team out there. Let's say I'm the Angels, and I want Garrett Cole, and I'm going to spend big money for Garrett Cole. And you're telling me if I sign Garrett Cole, I whatever, eight years, $285 million, whatever. And if I do that by the end of the winter meetings in San Diego and, and I can get international money and maybe draft picks, why wouldn't you do that? You want him anyway. Why not sign him now versus sign him in January? When I get – I think Boris hit, hit the – Hit the uh, hit the nail perfectly with that old hammer right there. I mean, that, that, that to me, incentivized people to do business. Remember, I keep telling you, a bunch of people in this game are data-driven. David-driven people aren't risk-takers. Numbers people are conservative. They're not risk-takers. But we're going to give them, give them an, an incentive to take a little bit of risk early. It's a good idea. Earlier today, I was able to catch up with one of the best in the business, Tim Kirchin from ESPN. Here's my conversation with him. Tim, it is always an honor to have you on the program. How have you been?
5: Well, I've been great. It's weird, as always, not having any games to watch, but um, we're all being kept busy with free agency and managerial hirings and all sorts of other controversies. So I've said it many times, there's no off-season of baseball anymore. If you cover it the way it has to be covered, it it takes pretty much 12 months out of the year.
1: Yeah, I, I'm with you as much as I love football. It, isn't it just strange, like on a, a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night, you're like sitting around on the couch going, what am I going to do? There's no baseball on. It's just strange.
5: Yeah, and I, I'm not the most well-rounded guy, so I don't have all these Netflix things that I watch all the time. So... Uh, I'm out of things to do certain nights, so uh, I better uh, better figure out some other things to watch other than basketball here and there.
1: Well, you've covered this game for a long time, and this has just been a disastrous month for the Houston Astros. I mean, when have you seen an organization be looked into and investigated not once but twice in less than a month for two separate things? Uh, the, the Athletic is doing a fantastic job. Evan Drellich and Ken Rosenthal. And now we're hearing about scouts being asked to, to cheat with video. What do you make of what's been happening with the Houston Astros as an
5: organization? Well, you're right. They've had a difficult time. They lost the World Series when they had a lead going home. They The Brandon Taubman thing, of course, was... Uh, really poorly handled by the Astros Um, and now this latest controversy is a big story that is going to get bigger from here and it will be fascinating to see what Rob Manfred does as far as punishment here exactly how many of these facts are exactly true where does this lead from here but um, my guess is if all these allegations are indeed true uh, the commissioner is really going to have to come down hard on the Astros, but um, that's, that's, that hasn't happened yet, and we're still not sure where this is going, how many other teams could be involved. Uh, I'm afraid this story has some serious legs to it.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And your colleague, Buster Olney, who we all love, and he comes on this program also, Uh, did an article yesterday just kind of breaking down some things that have happened in the game, whether it was the spying by the Cardinals on the Astros, uh, the issues with the Padres and a trade and the medical reports. Is it now time for New York and Rob Manfred to really kind of take back over the game? Because it kind of seems like, and what Buster was intimating is not maybe a whole lot of respect for the commissioner's office and maybe the commissioner's office has to really come down on some people to get that respect back and in some of this lawlessness that we have in the game.
5: Yeah I'm not real wild about where the game is right now and we've had some really really bright people try to manipulate some things thinking well I'm smarter than everyone else. I can do this. Baseball is slow to react, so now's the time. And this is all, you know, the bottom line: cold-blooded, cutthroat, you know, lack of empathy that we have in the game today. That our, you know, our GMs and some of our owners—they're just thinking this is all about money. This is all about winning and whatever it takes. And at some point, um, people are going to have to really start getting punished if we're going to you know, get back to the way that I think the game used to be run in a more professional manner. So a lot of work still to be done and a lot of pressure on the commissioner right now uh, to make some rulings, but the rulings that have some teeth that might, uh, you know, prevent this from happening anytime soon again.
1: So out in our area, Tim... Gabe Kapler, once he was hired and it was announced and, you know, looking at from the other side of the Bay really doesn't concern us with the A's, but we got a lot of giant friends around here. And a lot of my friends were not happy about the hire And then they have the press conference and pretty much everybody doubled down with not being happy about the hire. And that's just so odd because, you know, Bruce Bochy and the relationship with the fan base, with the Giants was so good for so long. What did you and your colleagues make of the hire of Gabe Kapler to the San Francisco Giants?
5: Uh, Well, I wasn't surprised, frankly, because I know his relationship with Farhan Zaidi is a very close one from the Dodger days and that gm manager relationship these days is perhaps more critical than it's ever been and if you don't see eye to eye with your manager or your general manager uh it's really going to cause some problems because our gms today are helping the manager manage the club and i'm and i'm not even sure that's the right way to go about it but that's just the reality of the situation and i was So I wasn't surprised, and yet Gabe Kapler, frankly, has done nothing to deserve a second job after not doing a particularly good job in Philadelphia. Now, he got crushed by injuries this year. Uh, That team still, to me, should have played better and still should have had a better two-year run. But um, this is, again, it's all about relationships and connections, And Farhan is very, very close and comfortable with Gabe Kapler and vice versa, and that's why I think we ended up there. And now we'll see what he can do in a different environment, one where, let's face it, he doesn't have to win right away like he did in Philadelphia. Well, the great thing
1: about you, watching you on television or listening to you on Baseball Tonight, the podcast with Buster Only, you're an upbeat guy and you're a fun guy. So let's get into some fun things about the offseason. What excites you coming up here? We got the winter meetings. What's the big thing that excites Tim Kirchhen right now?
5: Well, this free agent market uh, is not a huge one, but it does have at least a couple of huge names led by Garrett Cole. So that's what excites me is where is he going to end up? Because I think, like everyone else, he's so good that he could, let's say, turn the Angels into a playoff team if they were to sign him. That's how good I think he is. He could turn the Yankees from a – Really good team, a really good, solid contender into a champion. That's how good he is. He could take the Dodgers and help them deliver their first World Series since 1988. And if he were to go to a complete non-contender, he could turn them into a contender. That's how good I think Garrett Cole is. And I think he's going to set the record for most money ever given to a pitcher. And I'm not sure it's going to be close.
1: (laughs) He's going to he's going to make out okay. I think his bank account's going to be good. I think Steven Strasburg, the same thing. One guy, though, I've gotten to know him just a little bit over the years is Madison Bumgarner, and I got a feeling, just kind of knowing how he's wired, he's going to have a major, major chip on his shoulder wherever he ends up. I know he wasn't great away from Oracle Park last year, but what do you think about Madison Bumgarner going into free agency?
5: Well. I think he's had a chip on his shoulder his entire career. And I think that's one reason he's been so good. And one of the great postseason pitchers in the history of baseball. And I think that chip will be even bigger this year. And I think the teams will recognize that and know that this guy really only cares about one thing and that's kicking somebody's butt and winning. And I think that's going to play very big into the free agent market. And I think teams, such as the Braves, for instance, could really use someone like Madison Bumgarner at the top of that rotation so they can take the next step and maybe become a world championship team. So it'll be fascinating to watch where he goes and how much money it's going to take to sign him.
1: Yeah, I think about the signing of Will Smith, which was a terrific signing by the Atlanta Braves wouldn't that really be good for our game after the last couple of years, actually have some big signings coming up here, especially at the winter meetings in San Diego?
5: Yeah, again, I'm a little worried about the way the game is being run, including in the off season these days, that when everyone gathers for the winter meetings, it's a it should be a three- to four-day just celebration of the game. And when very little happens, as was the case last year, I'm not sure we're selling the game properly when everyone gathers and there's not very much news. Now I totally understand when we're talking about this kind of money, teams are not going to make a commitment until they're absolutely certain. And if you're the agent for a star player, you're not going to jump at the first offer, but I'd sure like to see a few more things happen quickly. I think it's good for the game and given with a a labor negotiation coming up and all the, all the consternation about that. I think it would help if we got a few signings going, like the Will Smith one, and moved it on from here.
1: I actually like what Scott Boris had to say, where Scott said, hey, listen, we're not going to have a certain date. That's not going to work. And I agree. Players should, I mean, you're a free agent. This is your opportunity. You should have as much time as you want to make this kind of life-changing decision. But I like how Scott Boris said, why don't you put some incentives in there? You know, whether it's extra draft picks, whether it's help on, on international money, whatever it is, incentivize teams to get deals done early, like by the winter meetings. When Scott said that, how, how did you receive that?
5: Well, I, I received it similarly, that he's trying to get things going here also. And yet, you know, there's there's... <laughs> He's going to value from that. He's going to benefit from people moving quickly also. And when he talks about incentivizing things, um, you know, his clients are going to end up getting something out of that. So naturally he has a a dog in that race for sure. Um, I just hope people recognize just what a bad off season it was last year, how much anger was created from the players who felt like they weren't getting the right Deal They should have gotten. And I just hope we do a better job this year because I know I went to spring training last year and at least the first three weeks, if not the entire first month of spring training was about all the things that were happening off the field and not the things that were happening on the field. And I, I hope baseball recognizes that spring training should be about who's on a new team. Where is this guy playing now? And we had way too many free agents jobless uh, during spring training last year.
1: Let's end on this. Speaking of spring training, I I know a lot of people kind of overlooked the A's last year, Tim. They won 97 games. They're like, can they do it again? And they did just exactly that. Back-to-back years, 97 wins. They're absolutely going to be stacked in their starting rotation as all the young pitchers now are, are are going to be healthy. Do you see the A's heading into spring training next year as as a dark horse favorite?
5: Yeah, I'm not sure even dark horse is necessary now. They are loaded with young pitching, and so few teams have that. And just the thought of Luzardo for a full season, Puck for a full season, Mania complete health, just those three guys alone, this team into more than a dark horse. Now, I'm not saying they're going to beat the Astros. I have to see what the Astros look like on opening day of spring training. But, you know, the A's have, have had two great years in a row, and all things considered, they should have an even better year this year. So I'm really interested to see how that young pitching and what they do with that rotation and all those power arms in the bullpen. That is a really impressive team. Tim, it is
1: always an honor to have you on the program. We truly appreciate it. We will be in San Diego for the winter meeting, so hopefully we'll see you down in Southern California. Thank you so much for the time.
5: All right, my pleasure. Thank you.
1: Yeah, Tim Kirchhen. How about that? Get ready, A's fans. There's expectations. That's right. There's expectations in 2020. And you have to believe, well, not you, not me, not Cody, not Korak. The players have to believe they can win the World Series. It's going to be a mantra of mine. If you don't believe it, you can't do it. If your goal is just to get to the playoffs, once you get to the playoffs, you've accomplished your goal. Your goal always has to be to win it all. None of this, oh, we just want to host a series. Well, once you've hosted a series, you've accomplished your goal. Bill Walsh used to say it all the time. And I got it from my guy, Romo. Bill Romanowski, it drove Bill nuts that the Raiders were saying at one point, we want to win the division under Jack Del Rio. And it drove Romanowski nuts. He goes, guess what? If you win the division, well, then you've accomplished your goal and then you're done. And I, I'm a firm believer of it. It just you can't be you got to beat the Astros. It just can't be you got to win the ALA. This team has the kind of talent they can win the World Series. There's a handful of teams that are going to go into next year. They're going to be legit contenders to go to the World Series. And the A's are one of them. So that has to be the goal. When we hit spring training, I'm saying to all these guys, it's about winning the World Series. Uh, stop telling me about, ah, uh, we just don't want to be in that wild card game. No, the goal has to be to win it all. And if you believe you can win it all, then you'll have a shot. That's the goal. The goal just isn't to be in the playoffs. The goal isn't just to make it, to, just to win the AO West uh, just, to, just to host some playoff games at the Coliseum. No, the goal is to get the ring. That's what it is. Your window of opportunity is open now. And that's what everybody has to be thinking about in 2020. Like Tim Kirchhen. These national guys are all on board. They know now. It's not a fluke. A's got talent. A's play defense. A's hit home runs. Need a little bit more timely hitting. That would help. Uh, But for the most part... Get the bullpen back on track. You got a ton of starters. You got depth. Let's go get it. That That's what 2020 is about. And I'm going to correct anybody who just, well, if we can win the division. Nope. It's got to be more than that. You have to envision yourself going the, the whole way. And the A's are legit world. You're hearing it here. They are legit World Series contenders. The Dodgers are going to be there. The Nationals are going to be there. The Astros are going to be there. The Yankees are going to be there. The Twins are going to be there. The A's are going to... There's a there's a group of teams that are just, you know... Because we're still going to have a bunch of dogs. There's dogs with fleas all over baseball. The Mariners are going to be a dog with fleas. The Detroit Tigers the Baltimore Orioles, the Kansas City Royals. There's going to be all kinds of teams out there not trying to win. And then there's going to be a handful of teams that want to win. And the A's are one of those teams that's going to have a shot. The Hall of Fame ballot came out today. Derek Jeter. You think he'll be a Hall of Famer?
2: I think he might get I think he gets in on the last ballot, but I think he gets in. You
1: think it's gonna be the tenth year he gets in? I
2: think I think he's gonna be this in ten years he's gonna be this year's Larry Walker. I think he just gets in. You
1: think like he'll just get like seventy five percent or seventy six percent of it the might vote? be like
2: seventy five point one. And like that one <laughs> Hall of Fame voter, that one guy that puts him in, hopefully it will be someone like Martin Gallego, so someone we know that just gets him in.
1: Uh Jeets Hall of Fame career on the field. Hall of Fame career off the field,
2: uh, the, arguably the greatest dating dating diamond we've ever seen.
1: Like when they put that up, and not to be sexist here, but I mean, he has dated some pretty pretty uh, famous people.
2: Yes, he's married a famous person now. With I believe they have a child now. So yes. Better question: Does Derek Jeter get in the Hall of Fame later on as an executive?
1: Uh, That would be selling (laughs) Derek Jeter as an executive stinks Derek Jeter a five-time World Series champion a 14-time All-Star a career 310 hitter 3000 hits you name it the guy is going in and probably will be your second unanimous Hall of Famer following his teammate Mariano Rivera. Which to this day is so, I mean, someone didn't vote for Hank Aaron. Hank Aaron, when he retired, had the most home runs, the most RBIs, and was third in hits. Well, actually probably would have been second because Pete Rose hadn't caught him yet probably by that time. You got to remember, that's how many hits Hank Aaron had. Only Pete Rose and Ty Cobb have more hits than Hank Aaron. I mean, his career is crazy. Willie Mays, Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth saved franchises from going out of business. They didn't have money. I mean, come on. He says somebody didn't vote for Jackie Rodgers. Someone didn't vote for Ricky. I saw Ricky at the Raider game yesterday. Someone didn't vote for Ricky Anderson. Someone didn't vote for Greg Maddox. Like, these writers are morons. They're morons. Do you know do you realize how many people still had a Hall of Fame votes, who don't even cover baseball anymore? Luckily, so they start weeding these guys out. How about the columnist? This is one of my favorites. These columnists in our own area that have, I don't see them in Oakland. The only time they will come to an A's game, and they've got a Hall of Fame vote, is when the Giants play. And I'll just look at them, oh, so you come over, huh? You came over for the games because the Giants are here. Can you imagine that? They're voting on whether these American League players should be Hall of Famers or not, and they never come over to watch them live. And they're in our own market. The fact that only writers vote for the Hall of Fame is a joke. Jason Giambi is on the list. Alfonso Soriano, Bobby Abreu, Paul Konerko. All on the ballot for the first side Chavez on it, right? Eric Chavez.
2: You want me to give you a list of the first time guys?
1: Uh, didn't I just read them off?
2: Well, you got Jeter, Bobby Abreu, Giambi, Cliff Lee, which I feel like he's been. It's been five years already. For call, Eric Chavez, Josh Beckett, Brian Roberts, Alfonso Soriano, Carlos Peña, friend of the program, Paul Konerko, Sean Figgins, Raul Abanez, Brad Penny, Adam Dunn. J.J. Putts. I'm never never forget him. Jose Valverde and Heath Bell are the guys, first time guys on the ballot. Uh,
1: none of those guys are getting in.
2: Um, I'm trying to look and think. Not
1: of one of those guys is getting in, except Jeter.
2: The only guy that might have a case, like down the line, I think Conarco could maybe get in. He had a nice career.
1: It's a,
2: a Hall of Famer? I mean, he put almost a 500 home runs, two two eighty batting average. Hall of Famer? I said I'm just looking at the guys that could be on there. I mean, Giambi's. I think Giambi's a Hall of Famer over him, though.
1: Giambi's not a Hall of Famer. Over I love Caner-
2: Giambi, yeah. over Canerco.
1: I don't think either of those guys are Hall of Famers.
2: The guys that are up the again, best of
1: the best, the greatest in the history of the game, are you are gonna put Paul Canerco up there.
2: I mean, look at the guy. Here's here's the guys that got votes last year that are on there again this year: Kurt Schilling, Roger Clemens, uh, Barry Lamar Bonds. Larry Walker, Omar Vizquel, Manny Ramirez, Jeff Kent, Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andy Pettit, Sammy Sosa, and Andrew Jones are the guys that got the. That's Now Jones is third, Sosa's eighth, and along the line. But this is Larry Walker's last year. Bonds, Clemens, and, and Schilling are all on there, and Sosa for the eighth time.
1: Schilling's getting in.
2: I mean, if you're looking at the list, I mean, him and Jeter. I mean,
1: Schilling, he, Schilling you know, where, where was Schilling last year?
2: Schilling got 60.9. Yeah, so he's trending up. Bonds and Clemens, he's got 59. Bonds, Clemens got 60. Bonds got 59 if you round up. If you're looking at this, the only guys I think they get in for sure next year, I mean, just looking at this going for sure, I think it's Jeter. I think Jeter's the only for sure guy. That, like, that you I, can think say, right.
1: I think Schilling will get in.
2: So that's to so see, so we only have. So two guys go in and then you got the 4 C Frick winner and who goes in on the uh, modern era committee.
1: Dale Murphy, our guy Dale. Ho-
2: hopefully Dale gets in. Hopefully he's one of the guys that gets in because that I think Paul what...
1: Conurco. You you view Paul Conurko as a Hall of Famer.
2: I said eventually. Like he could be like a tenth ballot guy, like we joked about Jeter. Like the tenth time he gets in. I don't know.
1: I mean four hundred and thirty nine home runs, but he played in the steroid era. And he played in a juice ballpark. Never an MVP. And he was a good player. Six-time All-Star. Okay.
2: Hey, Mike Mussina never won a Cy Young or 300 games, and he got in the Hall of Fame.
1: Mike Mussina won a lot of games. How many did We he win? 270?
2: Yeah, but how many, how many World Series did he win? I don't think he won any. at least won one.
1: Let's go to the old traditional war. Oh, his career war is 27.7. Wow, that's, that's
2: really bad. <laughs> I didn't think 27.
1: it was that 27.7. What did we say? You got a 60. If you're 60, you're in the conversation. If you're 70, you're for sure in the Hall of Fame.
2: All right, let's just look at the guys that are the guys that are on the ballot this year. Uh, the highest WAR Barry Bonds, 160, 162.8. Okay,
1: Bonds and Clemens are out. We know why Schilling, they're
2: Schilling, 79.5. Larry Walker, 70. So
1: how is Schilling at 79.5 not in the Hall of Fame as a war? I think it's
2: there's a lot of stuff with Schilling. It's to, about
1: his politics. It's all about his politics.
2: I think Scott Rowland's a Hall of Famer. Do you disagree there? <sighs> For me, it's the best defensive third baseman I've saw in my lifetime because I grew up after Schmidt and all those guys played. And no knock against friend of the program, Eric Chavez, but Scott Rowland. I mean, I saw someone put up his like defensive run saved in his career. It's like 179 or something. It's ridiculous.
1: <sighs> I...
2: So like the lowest war on this ballot belongs to, if you take away the like relievers, uh, Raul Abanez has a 20.4 war. He's not a Hall of Famer. Adam Dunn, 17.4. Not a Hall of Famer. Uh, Carlos Pena, 25.0. Look at, look at, hey, hey, Soriano, at the... who was a great player in his day. He, he was one of the top players in the league,
1: 28.2. Uh, look at people want to put Omar Vizquel in. His war was forty forty five point six.
2: Two seventy career hitter. He only hit eight, was that eighty career home runs? What's Sosa's career war? Sammy Sosa, fifty eight point six. Wow.
1: See, they say sixty and above, and seventy for sure. You got a seventy war; you should immediately go into the Baseball Hall of Fame.
2: I just don't get how him and McGuire can't even be sniffed the Hall of Fame, and they saved baseball twenty one years ago. Yeah. If it wasn't for those two guys, we, we would be talking, wouldn't we? Be talking about baseball. The probably. guy with the most
1: MVPs and the guy with the most Cy Young awards are not in the Hall of Fame.
2: And then, arguably think one, about that. And then, arguably one of the greatest postseason pitchers ever, and Curt Schilling not in. And,
1: and 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 I'm not going to get on a soapbox here. I've been to the Hall of Fame. I've been there three times. Uh, My grandfather has a bunch of stuff in there and MVP and all that. I've been around the Hall of Fame. It's a museum. It's not run by Major League Baseball. That's something people don't understand. A lot of people think baseball controls and runs the Baseball Hall of Fame. It couldn't be further from the truth. The Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York is completely independent of Major League Baseball. They set their own rules. They set the rules to keep Pete Rose out. Not baseball. Baseball banned him. It was the Hall of Fame that said or changed the rule, you if you're not if you're not on the list, can't get in. Well, when you're banned, you're not going to be on the list. He's not on the list. You can't vote for him. The steroid era happened. Guys were on steroids. This is a museum. A museum should tell the history of the sport. Those guys did what they did. You can't take that. You can't take away... Barry Bonds, 762 home runs. You can't take away his 1,996 RBIs. You can't take away his 514 stolen bases. You can't take his career away. He should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens. How many games did Roger win? 300 and what?
2: Uh, Roger Clemens won a total of 354 games.
1: He won 354 games. Oh, that's right. Wins don't matter.
2: I was I was just going to ask you this:
1: Do <laughs> wins not matter for Roger Clemens? 354. Well,
2: he has a career 3.12 ERA. He has an ERA plus of 143. He has how many Cy Young awards? Seven. He has 3,000 strikeouts. The, this the, the Cy, seven Cy Youngs and the 3,000 strikeouts for me. You're already in Hall of Fame. I don't it, care about the 300 wins. That's incredible. But those two things alone, like, just set you apart.
1: The fact that these guys aren't in the Hall of Fame, it's a museum. Museums are supposed to tell the history of the sport, good or bad. So, That's what museums do. You don't go to museums and just say, I just wanna I just want to go to the museum that has just the good stuff. That just it's sunshine and
2: lollipops. Now no let me ask you this. Would you if you're taking away the politics and just looking at baseball would you rather have Andy Pettit or Roger or Andy Pettit or Curt Schilling in the Hall of Fame? Who's more? Kurt Schilling. You think he's more detrimental to the baseball history than Pettit?
1: Kurt Schilling pitched in some of the biggest games and was a stud.
2: What he did with the Diamondbacks in the 0-1 World Series and, and the Red Sox in 0-4? unprecedented. Andy he's Pettit's,
1: eleven and two in his career in the postseason. Eleven and two.
2: Madison Bumgarner's the best pitcher ever.
1: How Kurt Schilling, Kurt Schilling should be in the look at the war. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Right. May, I mean, he's he's super conservative, but who cares? I mean, I why poli, a guy's politics. Why, and that's the thing too, because most problem is most writers are liberal, so they're using liberal versus conservative to keep Kurt Schilling out because they don't like his politics. So if if Kurt Schilling was instead of crazy conservative if he was crazy liberal you would have voted him in already Do you realize how stupid that is that's just wrong you're denying a man his spot in in history you know who i also would vote for and i didn't realize i like jeff kent i didn't like covering him
2: (laughs) a lot of people didn't like jeff kent the guy kent was prickly at best kent was a terrific player if he didn't hurt himself washing his truck whoa 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 too soon I mean, I think we're past the statute of limitation on that. <laughs> Popping wheelies.
1: He had 1,518 RBIs as a second baseman. He had 377 dingers. His lifetime OPS is 855 as a second baseman.
2: Was he ever the MVP?
1: Yes. How's Jeff Kent not get votes? I don't get it.
2: He got 18.1% last year on this, This is not what – Jeff his.
1: Kent was a dominant pl- – I mean, he was a force. Like, that's the thing. It's like I don't get the criteria, like who, people's criteria. Like, you know, they always say, well, was he ever the best player? Okay, he won an MVP as a second baseman. Kind of a big deal.
2: Well, see, when when people say – "Was And he ever the-
1: remember, great years at uh, Pac Bell, SBC Global. I mean, he played in all the – but look at these look at these years that he had. He had a stretch with the Giants where he goes 121 RBIs, 128, 101, 125, 106, 108. That's dominant. He won an MVP during that stretch.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was helping Barry Bonds, and Bonds was helping him. They fed off each other.
1: They were the best one-two punch. They were a tremendous – if you look at their numbers – Steroids, but well, I mean, they they were a one two points. Uh, they were incredible.
2: And even the one year, um, Richie Aurelia had a great year for them too. Yeah, I think he had, he had like a hundred RBIs the one year. Thirty five. Yeah, he had like thirty. Like? Yeah, he had a really good year. Front of the program, Richie Aurelia. Yeah, they I did. love Richie. Uh, but the one thing I want to ask you because they were mentioning how if you're the dominant, were you ever the dominant player in at a certain time in your in your sport? That's where the Cliff Lee argument. He's not going to get in, but the Cliff Lee argument comes in because he was dominant for what like four years, five years, where he was probably the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah. And he had that year where the, what the Indians were, he couldn't figure out his command, so they sent him to the minors, and he came back and walked like four batters that whole year. That's a bit of an exaggeration. It was like twenty. But Cliff Lee, I think, if he pits a little longer and had more wins, I think he he's definitely a Hall of Famer. But he's only on the first ballot. This is his first time on the ballot. One hundred forty three career wins for for Cliff Lee. His from I think it was two thousand eight when he started. Yeah, two thousand eight. He was twenty two and three with the Indians. Twenty two and three, with how many walks? His walks. 34 walks. And then in, t- in 2010 total, he walked 18 batters as a starting pitcher. Now, of course, they're not throwing 300 innings like guys used to. But he did pitch in 2008. He did pitch 223 innings. That's I mean, that's a good bit. So, I mean, Cliff Lee has a good argument if he pitched a little longer, if we're talking about the dominance part of it, because he did. I mean, well, same thing with Sosa. Sosa dominated the National League for how many years? Steroids, as you mentioned. But that's hey, not the point. Is
1: he's the only guy to hit 60 bombs in three seasons. Yeah,
2: and – for me, I loved watching Sosa growing <laughs> up. I told you, him and McGuire, for a lot of kids my age who grew up during that that time, I was 10 years old when that happened. Sosa, I watched him all the time because the Pirates played the Cubs all the time.
1: Baseball been very, very good to me. All right, look at these Sosa numbers.
2: How many? He won one MVP, but he was a finalist how many times?
1: Oh, he was in the top 10 a ton.
2: He was actually a very good defensive outfielder. Look at these
1: RBI numbers for Sammy Sosa. All right, 119-100, 158, 141, 138, 160, 108 and 100. Is that a, is that stretch any good? He hit at least He hit at least 30 home runs. 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 12. In 11 out of 12 years he hit at least 30 home runs. He had a stretch. He had a four-year stretch. Look at this four-year stretch for Sammy Sosa: sixty-six home runs, sixty-three home runs, fifty home runs, and sixty-four
2: home runs. Okay, so where was that first year starting with Sosa? Yeah. Where he where he took off with hundred RBIs? It was ninety-five.
1: Uh, he was twenty-six years old.
2: So, in nineteen ninety-five, the Cubs went seventy-three and seventy-one, so then seventy-six and 86. 68 and ninety-four, ninety and seventy-three. Then the the year that Sosa won the what year did he won the MVP? Uh, Ninety-nine. He played in every single game. He played every single game. The Cubs went sixty-seven and ninety-five the next year. Sixty-five and nine. The Cubs were. Sosa was the only reason the Cubs were watchable for all those years. And he played one hundred and sixty-two games, three two times in three years. The other year he played in a you know season low one hundred and fifty-nine. The guy was. I mean, for me, the kid, the guy was great while I grew up. And then you find out about the steroids and everything, but. Him and McGuire saved baseball. How many people do we have? To, McGuire still says he's asked about McGuire that. How's Mark McGuire
1: not in the Hall of Fame?
2: Yeah, he still gets asked about it.
1: We had friend of the program Mark McGuire on. I didn't know how he was going to react. I'm so glad we did that interview because so many fans, especially younger fans, had never really heard him talk. He he's he's a well spoken, smart guy. And I asked him, like, you know, w- w- you saved baseball. Like, what is that? And it was a great reaction. He goes, people still come up to me today and say thank you. People don't care about the steroids. No one cares.
2: Mark McGuire. uh, They
1: were all doing it. The pitchers were doing it. The hitters were doing it. They were all doing it. Everybody was on something for the most part.
2: uh, Is this any good in a two-year stretch from 98 to 2000? So, 98-99 season. McGuire hit 135 home runs. There's teams that don't even hit that many home runs. Do you
1: realize a lot of the guys in in, in in the Baseball Hall of Fame did greenies. It's speed. It's a drug. Because playing every single day and traveling and all that, guys, would get beat down, Papa greenie, ready to rock, and what do they talk about, drinking like milk or beer or something brings you back down. Do you know how many guys that are in the Hall of Fame took a greenie at least one time in their career? That's a PED. It's right, a stop. Mark Maguire is not in the Hall I mean, how is Mark Maguire not in the Hall of Fame? The man the man saved baseball. Sammy Sosa saved baseball. Bonds, seven-time MVP, Clemens, seven-time Cy Young Award winner. Sammy Sosa, how are these guys on the Hall? It's a joke. Uh, you can't have 609 home runs and not be in the Hall
2: of Fame. I'm I'm trying to figure out how Sosa won What go back to Sosa work like 98 he the '98 MVP race between him and Maguire, he Sosa wins the uh, Sosa wins the MVP. Said hitting 66, 66 home runs, driving 158. Maguire hit 70, drove at 147, and walked 162 times. Sosa walked 73 times and struck out a league high 171 times.
1: He also scored the most runs.
2: Uh, Maguire had uh, Maguire 100, had 130, so he's only four behind him. <laughs>
1: I mean, they're incredible. What, talk years. about it.
2: Let's you know, I, I want to see who finished third in that MVP race. I just feel bad for whoever that guy was, because he had no shot. In
1: '98. Yeah. I. It, it was so much fun to watch when they were when they were when they were. Uh,
2: Moises Alou finished third.
1: Get one of those, Moises
2: Alou hit 38 homers, 124 RBIs, and hit 312. Fourth was Greg Vaughn. He's from about Sacramento, right? Yeah. Where he was playing for the Padres. He hit uh 50 home runs that year.
1: Everybody would see what I'm saying. <laughs> Everybody was on something, man. Even it, it, you know, it was, you know, it was so funny. Is like how many guys from that era during that time? because cause remember this, this is my career here. I, I'm I'm working during this time. And uh, how many guys are like, oh, I can't believe, and then they would show up in like the Mitchell Report.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I never took steroids. Period. Yeah. They're all, Thanks, Ralph. Everybody,
1: I didn't do, I didn't do, I didn't, and then everybody. The, the Palmero
2: on. one was the best. The, when he did that in front of the. He's like, I never took steroids yeah. and he did the finger point. Come period. On.
1: Come on. I mean, you had guys doing it that you wouldn't even think were doing it. But there were so many pe- pe- people are trying. And there's so many different things, too. You know. Everybody, you know, not everybody was on anabolic steroids, right? Some people were just on testosterone. Some people, I mean, people were on alcohol. You know, they were on different stuff. Look at Andy Pettit. Remember Andy Pettit finally got popped? No one would have thought Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit was taking testosterone for his elbow. Everybody, not everybody, but clearly, if I had to bet, because you know our man Canseco broke it down and everybody knew he was right, Ken Caminiti, the great San Jose State Spartan, once said it was over 75%. And then Conseco says more. I would, I would bet, position player-wise, over 90% of guys were on something. Something. Not all shooting up anabolic steroids, but they're on Sagan something. I would, I would bet 90%.
2: Oh, I went and looked at that year. So that's
1: why all these dudes should be in the Hall of Fame because everybody, for the most part, everybody was on something. So it was more, the best way to put it is, it was more of a level playing field than you thought.
2: I, I agree. I think a, a lot of these guys, should, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll always go back and say that I think Sosa McGuire are the first guys that should be in. Again, just because of what they did for the sport, they saved it. The strike crippled baseball. And I was only, like, what, six years old? So I had no idea what was going on. The Expos were the greatest team ever when I was a little kid because they had all those wins. And then McGuire and Sosa brought the sport back. And you shouldn't embarrass
1: them. That's another thing I hate. Well, you should let them in, but you should put it on their plaque. They did steroids. Now, why, why, why? who are we, the moral police, that we feel we have to punish these people, right? They didn't go out and kill somebody. They didn't rob people. They didn't steal from them. They didn't beat you up. They didn't commit a crime. We try and treat these guys like they committed a crime. They didn't rape any I mean, you see what I'm saying? You understand what I We try and treat these guys like they committed this horrible crime, and they should be in this. They should be in this jail forever because they did steroids. They did. They did PEDs. No, they shouldn't be. They should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame and they should be punished and they shouldn't be treated like they're they are they're monsters. They should be in the Hall. Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, Clemens, Paul Merrill. Look at Paul Merrill's numbers. Paul Merrill had an incredible career.
2: So I'm looking at this 2000 MVP race where Jeff Kent beat Barry Bonds. He hit three, 33 homers, 125 RBIs, said 334. Bonds, 49, 106, and 306. Walked 117 times next year, it comes out and hits what 73 home runs. The only time in his career, he's ever broken 50. But then I was looking at something who had Todd Helton that year, 42 homers, 147 RBIs, hit 372. Talk about a guy that had an incredible run at Coors Field.
5: Well, that's
1: the that's the you know, that's the whole thing with Larry Walker. Does Larry Walker have a Hall of Fame career? I mean, I'd say so. But everybody's going to it like, look at the numbers at Coors Field. Well, that, that's where he played. We're going to now fault guys for where they play?
2: Yeah. that's By the way, I remember that you're Helton. Larry
1: Walker has a 72.7 war. He should be in the Hall of – if you have a 70 or more war, you should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, should, it's like – it's a and, joke. And,
2: and Helton, if we're using our 60 threshold for yes. war, 61.2. The guy has 369 career homers. He's a 316 career hitter and he has 2,500 hits in his career. I I don't care where you play. That's pretty good.
1: But I got to listen to people in our area who go, oh, Buster Posey's the greatest player ever. He's a Hall of Famer. He's got a 42 war. But you're going to keep Larry Walker out at 72? Larry Walker's 30 points higher in war.
2: You 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 know what the argument with him always is, though, right?
1: I don't care World Series.
2: He won three World Series.
1: Well, if that's the case, if we're going off World Series, then uh, Yogi Bear is the greatest catcher of all time, <laughs>
2: because
1: Yogi actually has legit numbers, and he's got what five rings.
2: Uh, and he Pettit has uh, what P- Pettit has four rings, right? He has a lot of World Series because he, I mean, he won the World Series with the Astros team; they didn't win.
1: Was he on the was he on the first Yankee team to win? I it? think
2: so. Let me let me double check. What year was that? 96? 90 they went 96. No, they went Oh yeah, dad. yeah, yeah.
1: 95 was was Atlanta. the Atlanta. 97 was the uh Marlins. And then they won 98, 99 and 2000. So I would say Pettit has four
2: it has five World Series rings.
1: He has five. Where's the other one?
2: He won in – he was with the Yankees in 96, 98, 99, 2000, and then he was back with the Yankees when they won in 08 – or 09. So he's all of his rings with the oh, Yankees. That's right. He
1: went back from from Houston.
2: Look at that year in Houston. Where was it at? He went 17-9 and 9 in 05 when they went to the World Series with the two three nine ERA. I think that year Roger Clemens had like a 1-8-1 or with the uh, Astros.
1: I mean, yeah, if you're going to be slamming – if you're going to be slamming this World Series thing, and you do not, by the way, you do not want to look at actual World Series numbers. I don't want to bust on the guy. But, yeah, you go check out Buster Posey's uh, World Series numbers. I don't think you're going to be all that impressed.
2: Should we do buying or selling?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at Andy Pettit's a 60.2 war. I Maybe he is. Maybe it's a 60 war and you got five rings.
2: And he won an ALCS MVP. I know a lot of people don't put weight into that, but he's a pitcher.
1: I mean. He won 256. He won 256, 256 games. games. He's got a 60 war and he's got five rings. How do you keep him out? Oh, because he did testosterone. Oh, come on. It's a joke.
0: All right, Let's go. It's time for Buying or Selling. So sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on Ace Cast Live.
2: Now, I don't know how much you've been paying attention to Team USA and their chance to qualify for the 2020 Summer Games in Tokyo.
1: They're Aren't they in the bronze game right now?
2: Uh, no, they lost the bronze game to Mexico. Really? So Mexico has qualified for the 2020 Summer Olympics in Tokyo. The United States will have another chance to qualify for the Olympics via the Americans' qualifier held in Arizona in March, where the winner will face will advance to the Tokyo Games, and the second- and third-place nations will be placed into the final qualifying tournament for one less chance to earn a berth in the Olympics. Team USA struggled at times during the tournament, some late to a 2-3 and three record in the Super Round, but making it to the third-place matchup on a tiebreaker. Now, there's some guys on the team. You got um, Angel's top prospect Joe Adele. You got... Um, I can't remember the guy's name from, from the A's organization, but Peyton, from, he's playing AAA. He's on the team. They have um, a couple older guys on the team, like Brooks Pounders and stuff that played in the major. So buying or selling, Team USA will fail to qualify for the 2020 Olympics.
1: Oh, I'm selling. They have to be in. They'll, they'll, they'll find a way to put them in.
2: All right, so th- we're going to stick back to the Hall of Fame thing here. Last year, Ed Mar- Edgar Martinez, Mike Messina, Roy Halliday, and Mariano Rivera, along with... Um, well, Mario Rivera was the first unanimous Hall of Famer. Harold Baines and Lee Smith went in as the for the Today's Game Era Committee. Derek Jeter headlines the class we talked about. Jeter, five-time All-Star, or 14-time All-Star, five-time World Series champion, 310 hitter, has over 3,000 career hits. Now, there are 60 different people affiliated with the Yankees organization in the Hall of Fame. So buying or selling, Derek Jeter will be the second unanimous Hall of Famer.
1: Who's got the guts to keep him off their ballot? See, because now, now these writers get shamed into things. Because now we see your ballots.
2: Probably a Marlins writer. That's the only thing I can think of. Who maybe not, might not put him in? Someone that didn't you like him. You know what?
1: I'm 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 not gonna go chalk here. I'm gonna sell. I think there's gonna be somebody who doesn't vote for him.
2: So buying or selling a writer will make the Hall of Fame ballot all about them.
1: Yes, <laughs> clickbait. This is why yeah, I can here's that this is why I didn't vote for Derek Jeter.
2: So sticking on the Hall of Fame, Larry Walker from the Athletic. Larry Walker is eligible for the Hall of Fame for the last time on the ballot. Last year Edmar, Edgar Martinez became the sixth player to make it in on the last ballot. Walker last year got 54.6% of the vote. In his career in 1988 games, Larry Walker hit 313, scored 1355 runs, he drove in 1311 runs. He had a 72.7 war, a 141 OPS plus, a really high 140 weighted runs created plus. He won seven gold gloves with 94 defensive runs saved. So buying or selling Larry Walker will make it into the Hall of Fame in 2020.
1: Uh, I'll sell that, but I, I I hope he gets in. And if he doesn't get in now, that this this the new era committee will for sure vote him in. That, that, they'll look at his numbers and go, how's this guy not a Hall of Famer? You're going to put in Harold Baines? You're going to put in Harold Baines? Can we go to the, the Harold Baines meter here? You know, we could have talked about this all show.
2: Oh, yeah. Probably, yeah we definitely could have.
1: I could talk Hall of Fame all day. Let's see. Harold Baines. Harold Baines' career war, you just put him in, is 38.7. His is 72. Point what? Uh, 72.7. His war is... Almost 40 points higher? Come on, man. Larry Walker should be in the Hall of Fame.
2: So, we didn't get to this Jason Stark article where he broke down 10 big numbers, and they're all in the Bill James Handbook, which is one of the reasons why I love getting it every year. Well, one trend we just that's in there, they talk about a lot of shifts, but not just any shifts, the four-man outfield shift. Ooh, we
1: saw that with with, against the A's this year.
2: There were 101 balls put in play this season with a four-man outfield in 2017. There was one. The Rays led baseball using the four-man outfield 83 times this season. Justin Smoke had the four-man outfield used against him in 19 at bats. He went six for 14 when he put the ball in play. So, buying or selling the dreaded four-man outfield?
1: Buying, selling
2: what? The they, it's a good idea. The use?
1: Yeah, I have no, I have no problem whatsoever. With doing whatever the hell you want defensively.
2: Oh, right? you, know, you know one of those guys is going to yell about the the uh, the shift and how it's ruining baseball?
1: No. I mean, it'd be like in football. You can't blitz. You can't do a zone defense. Thank you. You can't do this. You can't do that. Wait, I can play any defense I want. It's, Why like,
2: can't... it's like saying you can't shoot three-pointers in the NBA.
1: Can't? Oh, you can't shoot from this part in hockey. No, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, beat it. I have no problem. You you can put every guy in the outfield. I don't care. beat it. You put every guy in the infield. Hey, how about the end of games? They'll bring outfielders in to the infield. I, I th- this whole whole you know beat the shift.
2: Yeah, learn how. To put Matt, the ball on the ground. Matt Olson learned how to do it. Just dropped on a bunt down the third baseline. He had like six bunt hits doing That's that. So annoying. All right, last one. We'll make this an A's one. Stephen Vogt returned to baseball in 2019. He missed the, ent- the entire 2018 season and only played in 45 games in 2017 with the Milwaukee Brewers. Vote hit 263 last year with 10 home runs and 40 RBIs in 99 games with the Giants. Only three of those home runs were at a dreaded Oracle Park. Buster Posey hit 257 with seven homers and drove in 38 runs in 114 games. And this isn't a Giants question, but Susan Slusser reported last week that the A's have been in contact with Vote's agent. So buying or selling... Stephen Vogt will be in Oakland Athletic in 2019.
1: Did we forget that Josh Fegley had a good year last year?
2: He did. He had a really good year. He was leading. He was one of the leading RBI guys in the beginning of the season.
1: Like, when did like Josh Fegley fall out of favor? And I understand you want to have a righty and a lefty. I get that. But Josh Fegley threw the ball well last year. He's cheap. I don't know. I do love me some Stephen Vogt though, friend of the program. Uh,
2: do you believe in Stephen Vogt? Uh,
1: I can see Stephen coming back to the A's, so I'm buying.
2: Well, see, I don't I don't know because from what I've read on Twitter, um the people that, the same people that are chanting Stephen Vogt's name are people that are cheating for the A's with banging the drums. So I don't know. I don't know if we want them chanting for Stephen Vogt.
1: Oh, you know those right field people are the biggest cheating lying humans on earth, right? Oh, I can you can't, tra- you can't. I know those people out in right field. I don't trust them. They're doing something illegal. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the conspiracy of drums and 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 stealing signs? I, I Throw just, right field Will in jail.
2: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, by the way, the one thing we didn't get to was the guy that DM'd me to let you know to unblock him on Twitter.
1: Yeah, so some guy like in what year?
2: 2015
1: called me a tool. Like I don't really block people unless you like like come after me because I really don't care. But if you're gonna rewrite stuff like that, I, I'm not gonna have you on my timeline. People don't forget. People don't forget. <laughs> so now the guy's like, "Sorry, don't block me anymore." What should I should I unblock? I don't even know who it is.
2: We're men. We're men of the people. We have to unblock him. Who is he? Uh, I'll tell you his name. I'll tell you his name off the air.
1: Why he's tweeted at us? We can put We're, it out because we, we, we
2: actually we we have to go.
1: All right, we are back on Wednesday. Yeah. We will be back on Wednesday, live from Jack London and the A's offices. We'll replay this uh, for the next three hours. Enjoy. It was a great show. Thank you, Commander Cody. You are the best in the business. And uh, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. Have a great night, everybody.